much rich. They're yeah. always like loaded in movies with uh, gorgeous there's a, houses. There's a meme out there that, you know, everybody always wonders. Wants like, to know. I want to make the money Peter that, that Peter McAllister makes at the job that he works at. You know, because yeah. nobody knows what he actually That's does. That's one of the things that we're going to talk about yeah. here is just like, what does this dude do? Uh, before we get into that, though, we have a top 10 list. So yep. uh, real quick today, we're going to be talking about uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Uh, I won't get into introing them yet because we are going to take them one by one. We're going to take the first one, talk about some things, go through the movie. And then uh, we're going to do another list to kick off our our uh, Home Alone 2 section of this episode because we're doing both in this one episode. Um so before we get into that, we'll do our top 10 list. And mm-hmm. the top 10 list for today's episode uh, is something that we probably should have done last year. And I don't know if we did or, or didn't, but <laughs> it'd be interesting to know if we did yeah. and go back to see if our lists are any different because I can't remember that far back. All right. Uh, so starting out at number 10, what do you got? <clears throat> Grinch. The gr- uh, Which one? The cartoon. The, the cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I don't, I don't have the cartoon. It's the closest, more like a mini series. I mean, it's not even a mini series. It's just a movie. like a TV movie mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, but the classic one with the musical number and all that. Yep, <clears throat> great classic movie. Uh, I enjoyed. I really enjoyed the the Jim Carrey one. I don't have it on my list. No, I do too. That's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, I don't have it on my list, but but Ron Howard, Jim Carrey. Uh, everybody in that movie, even um, what's her name that's in the rock band now? Yeah, uh, Taylor Momsen. Yeah, uh, they all did fantastic job uh, creating this whole world. Anthony Hopkins as the narrator. It was a great movie, but um, this original. I mean, I think I've seen it all the way through, but it's one of those things that, like, when you're on a when you're a kid, it's like always in the background, some holiday mm-hmm. get together. It's really not that long of a uh, of a. No, it's not like TV. a movie. Yeah, it's not. It's not a long, long thing. You it's kind of like, like a, a, an episode, episode of TV of show, a cartoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a television episode. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's good. I mean, you know, you're flipping through the channels in the holidays. You're guaranteed to see it on some channels. It's classic, and the way that uh, Jim Carrey in the movie did that big, huge smile, like it was in the cartoon, which we actually see in part two of Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, while he's in the limo watching it, and then it kind of. It dissolves into Tim Curry's face doing that smile, too. Right. If you remember that. Yes. Yeah, great movie. Uh, for my number 10, I put A Muppet Christmas Carol. <clears throat> That's a good one. This is one of my go-tos, and this is how I like to watch the A Christmas Carol story. Either this or Scrooged. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, I don't know. It stuck with me when I watched it as a kid. You know, I, I love the Muppets, you know, and Kermit Frosty. Gonzo, of course, was my favorite. Um, yeah. And he got to be a narrator. He used to have a stuffed animal, Gonzo. Yeah, and he and he used to be like the, or I mean, he was the narrator, and he had uh, the rat. What was his name? Oh, uh, geez. I'm, I, that's terrible. I can't remember his name. But him and the rat were like the narrators of the story and yeah. everything. Uh, what's your number nine? My number nine is uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Ah, oh, yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas. I actually don't have that on here on my list. I went through it and I almost put it on, uh, but I don't. I, I think I saw the Thanksgiving one more than I saw the Christmas one and the the Halloween one. You know, I know about the Great Pumpkin, mm-hmm. and then the Thanksgiving dinner one where they had like just some weird weird stuff for for Thanksgiving. You know, weird foods that, yeah. that only Charlie yeah. Brown or 
<coughs> kids would know how to make, right, you know, right, not right. a full meal or whatever. Yeah, my number nine is the Family Stone. Okay, it's on my list. Is it on your list? It's a little higher? Yeah. Yeah. The Family Stone, it's it's a great movie. It's mm-hmm. it's just so everything about it is Christmas. I mean, it all just centers around a family coming back for Christmas and getting together. It has a bit of uh, uh, gloom hanging over it where you kind of know what's going on, but you kind of don't. And then by the end, of course, you know what happened and what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, but it's also warm about family and togetherness. There's, it's really weird, the whole brothers switching girls and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That's really weird. And not switching, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's weird to me. <laughs> it felt really, well, yeah, it because- felt really Kate Beckinsale uh, a la Armageddon, or I mean Pearl Harbor, you know, yeah, she but decide who she wanted to be with. But it was really weird because her sister comes in like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all the other characters have been established and then boom. There's her sister shows yeah. up, you know, and it's like, and then just everything changes at that point, you know. But it's just so weird that, like, they he was they on brought the verge her in of right marrying. Oh, I know, Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams, just oh yeah, oh my gosh, she's hilarious in the movie. The way that she goes back and forth. Um, so that was not my number nine. Uh, what's your number eight? Die Hard. Die Hard. Yep. Okay, so because you've given me crap before, <laughs> I didn't include it on the list because right. I was like, man, Andrew's just going to give me crap before, again. This no, but I always agree movie. with you. When, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I'm well, sorry it is. I should put it on my list. Then. Yes, you should have. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't because I do I do actually watch that every year. It's, it's what kicks off my Christmas movie yeah. watching. It's yeah. the very first thing I watch because it kind of is a Christmas movie and it kind of isn't so it's a good transition into the Christmas you got action well, people people that live in California it's it's more so a you know Cal- well, yeah. Christmas movie they're not because, looking out for snow or yeah, anything yeah that, that's <laughs> what their weather's like that's what their everything's like there in LA and stuff yeah. like that you know so it's like to them that's very a Christmas movie yeah. you know and we've talked about Die Hard before my number 8 is Scrooged <clears throat> Okay. So it's lower than I thought it would. That's Mine's a, a little bit, Scrooge is a little bit higher up on my list. At the very beginning, I think I had this at like three or four uh, when I was first doing my list. But yeah. then I, I started doing it because it's one of the first ones I thought because we had yeah. talked about. But then as I started remembering all the Christmas movies that I like, it, it started going lower and lower. Yeah. And lower. yeah. Well, we can't talk about it, though, because we're yes. planning. Because we, we, we probably are most likely going to do Scrooge after this next week. So we, we'll just Christmas. leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge is actually, let's see. One, you three, can just four, tell us when we get there. Fifth. In okay. List. Okay. Uh, so uh, what's your number eight? That was, Die Hard was my number eight. Uh, oh, yeah, because you're going first. So what's your number seven? A uh, Family Stone. The Family Stone. It. Okay. My number seven is Santa Claus the movie. Mm. Now, this is the one from back in the 70s, and it has Dudley oh. Moore in it. And it has... Oh, yeah, I forgot to put that on my list. Yeah, it has Dudley Moore, and it also has... Um, who is in Third Rock from the Sun? John Lithgow. Yes. He's also the Trinity Killer and Dexter, Dexter and everything yeah. like that. But I thought you would have used that more of an example of <laughs> people would know who it is. I, you know, you know I just remember... Thir- I remember watching him in this movie, and then the next time I saw him was in Third Rock from the Sun, and I'm like, hey, that's the guy from Santa Claus, the yeah. movie. And then when I saw him in Dexter, I said, hey, that's the guy from Third Rock from the that, Sun, that, Santa that Claus, That entire movie. movie, John Lithgow had a candy cane in his mouth the entire yeah, he, well, movie. Yeah, well, at the end, he was stuffing them all in his yeah. mouth so he could fly away and yeah. everything. But So what's your number six? Uh, let's see. 
think I might have wrote too many. <laughs> Let's see. So we got a couple of honorable mentions. Just your sixth from the top. Okay, I'm going to say six for me will be Love Actually. Oh, I was wondering if we were going to, uh, you know, because every list we at least have one that's the same. We are close on this one. Uh, number six is Love Actually. Okay. So this is one that we have to do. Yeah. Because it's such a fantastic, great movie. But it's not a kid movie. We want to definitely mention that. Very, very much so. It has some posh British porn in it. Yes. <laughs> everything. No, not really. But, you know, it's and, you, and, you and know the, the scene we're talking and, about. And then you, and get, uh, you get Vision. Uh, it goes to, uh, or is it Vision? Vision, no. No, it's, uh, what's the name of that other guy? Who are we talking about? The guy that goes Stormy. to America. Oh, uh, he's he's not he doesn't really become pop. Uh, he's not like a famous actor. That's right. I, I always think he's uh, his uh, name is Colin Paul, in the movie. Yeah, I believe Colin. it's Colin. Yes, it's Colin. and uh, and he's like, hello, I'm Colin. And just you know, using and his, all the his American, British yeah, accent. all the American women just love him. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great movie. It has about uh, I'd say about five different four or five different main storylines and there's not really a main character i'd say hugh grant is up there um and but liam maybe neeson colin firth is just liam neeson yeah and and of course you know uh, then all Singer. the great female leads yeah. that we have as well so uh it's a great movie we won't talk much about it because we all it's also a movie we it's just do. one of those feel-good movies like at the end of it you're just like you know it, it's a feel-good movie it I really mean, is you end it with the beach boys you know yeah you know god only knows yeah anyways it's a great <laughs> movie uh my number six is the santa claus with tim allen Okay. And uh, that's a great movie that, you know, basically as soon as it came out, we had it in our tradition. Yeah. We were watching it every single year. And I we mean, had it on VHS in the plastic, remember in the plastic uh, case? Yep. And there's one movie that we have. I do remember that, actually, because that was a Disney movie. And so yep. it was one of those uh -huh. plastic cases. But um, not really into the sequels. I know I mean, that part two was not bad it, because it, it wasn't a little bit. When you get in part three, it got ridiculous because I mean you have a uh, an android version of Santa Claus, Tim Allen Santa Claus. Well, I know it dealt with Jack Frost and everything. And yeah. Part two was about him getting a wife, mm -hmm. which was Juliet from Lost. And but you know it, those are good for kids. Yeah. I think the Santa Claus, the first one, all ages can watch that. It's uh, oh the no, adults the android like was it. in the second one. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, so that's why I was like, yeah, I think so, because he took point. over while Tim Allen went to go find a wife yes, uh, yeah. or a Mrs. Claus. But uh, the first one is good for all ages. I think, yeah. I think adults like it and kids like it, whereas the, the second two, it's more just for kids. They're reaching for it, you know, in the second two. and Which is great, because uh, adults are usually done with yeah. it anyways, and kids are like, let's watch another one. But the first one felt real, like, real Christmassy. You know what I mean? Like, the second part... It just seemed to get a lot more commercialized, and I know that that's kind of what they were going for on some of it, but it was just getting a little bit commercialized, per se. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, definitely, I uh, got the Santa Claus one on there, uh, and I really won't watch two and three. I've just, I think I've watched them once or twice, yeah. and I just won't. I'll be like, you watch it, or if Henry wants to watch it, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, what's your number five? Scrooged. So. Okay, so we already talked about that. My number five is Love Actually, and we already talked about that as mm -hmm. well. <clears throat> so yours was number six. Mine was number five. It was close. Yeah. Uh, and I know our number four is not going to be the same, but what's yours? Our number one's going to be the same. You already know Probably, that. but what's your number four? Number four is Home Alone 1. 
Okay, all right. Now, I cheated. I have Home Alone on here, but I have Home Alone 1 and 2 together because I just feel like you, they should just be watched together. Yeah. You can't separate those two. Well, you it's got to watch the, it's them together. An expanded universe once you get into part two. You know, it, but one is definitely better than the other. Yeah, or or whatever. So yeah. you have the first Home Alone at number four. Yes. Now we'll get into talking about it in a minute. But why? Why the? Do you have the second one on your list? Yes. Okay. So why is number one lower? <laughs> number one's lower because <laughs> is this a, a Ghostbusters two situation again? Um, I think it is, which we can talk about. But yeah, it, it's. Do you want to wait until we get in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm sure by the end of it, you'll you'll tell me why you like mm-hmm. the first one uh, uh, less. Um, my number four is a, a movie that probably not a lot of people have heard of. It's called Love at the Christmas Table. And it's, I don't know why, I, I mean, okay, so Hallmark movies, Hallmark Christmas <laughs> movies. You either love them or you hate them, right? I hate Hallmark movies, but I love Hallmark Christmas movies. I don't like any of them. Because it's the same formula, yes. Uh, but it's just everything in the movie. They make Because they're Hallmark Christmas movies, you have to have Christmas <laughs> lights, red or green, snowmen, some kind of Christmas thing. And, and if anybody who knows me personally knows how much I love Christmas, you know, a movie that just has nothing but Christmas all over it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I like it. I, even if it's warm and cheesy, I can't watch it all the time. But it's love at the Christmas table, and it's about these two people who meet when they're younger, and their their parents are family friends and everything, and then uh, they grow up getting together with Chris, for Christmas and everything. And all the adults see that these kids, like you know, are falling in love mm-hmm. throughout the years, but don't want to acknowledge it. The 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 girl who grows up, she's played by Danica McKellar. Uh, as some people might know as Winnie from The Wonder Years, yeah. uh, who's also a super smart mathematician in real life and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, she, she's in this and uh, has a couple other people that you may uh, know from it. But uh, it's just a warm, fun Christmas movie. And if if you don't like, you know, if you have to watch some kind of like a Hallmarky type movie, I suggest this one. So mm-hmm. that's just my advocation for that. What's your number three? Uh, the Santa Claus of Tim Allen. Okay, so uh, number three, yeah, that that I think that was up there. That and Scrooge were up there before they got knocked down a bit. Yeah, um, you know, I'd get Love Actually in there as well. My number three is A Christmas Story. Now, have you? Is this even on your list? A nope. Christmas Story? Nope. So, it, would it even be on an honorable mention for you? Maybe. This movie just, never clicked for it you. Never then. clicked for me. It's weird because I I saw a lot of our family in this family. I mean, the same dynamics and everything like that with, you know, the mom kind of running around, really running the show and juggling, you know, 8,000 different things that are going yeah. on. Um, that was our mom. You got the dad who's just front of, front of, front of, you know, trying to fix stuff, right? You know, everything's going wrong at the holidays and you're, uh, you know, you get grumpy and everything like that. But he was still, you know, a loving dad that... You know, did all these things and everything, and then you know you got the brothers who you know the older brother doesn't really like the younger brother, but he's there for him and everything, which yeah. is kind of like. But I don't know. I just saw that you know the the struggle of that you know, uh, I guess that it was awkward life. for me to watch that movie. <clears throat> which parts? Just the parts, especially like the the where he's off in his own head kind of thing. And oh, the and, fantasies yeah, about it, having the gun and everything. Yeah, and. It just—I think it was just too much for me. I just kind of felt like a little awkwardness watching it, you know. Yeah, for the for most of my adult life, you know, at least the last fifteen years or so, uh, Christmas Story 
and uh, you know ever since me and angie got married Mm -hmm. a christmas story has been our christmas day movie so you know you have a christmas eve movie and then you have the christmas day movie and the christmas day movie has always been you know for us and for henry has been uh um, a Christmas story, just yeah. such a great movie, and you know the ending's sweet and all that. But I mean, it takes you back to an older, simpler time. Yeah. So, um, that was my number three. What's your number two? Home Alone two. Okay, my number two is Home Alone and Home Alone two. Mm. I got. I just put them together. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into more of that. And what's your number one? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And my number one is also National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. See, we we still keep it with the record where we got one of uh, at least one similar, and the most important one. And that. we and we know which one that we both go went in knowing. That yeah, I think we did. We didn't say it, but we pretty much knew. Um, and you this know, this has been a staple in our household since we were young. <laughs> You know, Chris Columbus, who directed the movie that we're about to talk about, if anybody's seen, because I did watch uh, that uh, movies that made us for this, for Home Alone, yeah, um, which didn't really get into anything that I wanted to talk about. So Not really. It was, it was okay. Just, it was just some history of it. Like, I was worried know, the, that watching it would, like, shade, and I had mentioned I was worried that it would kind of shade how I talk about it if yeah. we, if I'm watching that. But it it doesn't really go over the stuff that well, I they, like to they talk had to spray extra snow because it was already melting by the time yeah you know? so that you know that that natural look you get from those films yeah. you know it's not actually 100 percent natural well and a lot of Christmas movies use like potato mm-hmm. flakes uh-huh. and different things like that I think that uh, yeah, with honors did the same thing we yeah. had talked about that they had done the I think they'd done like potato flakes or whatever well at least horror movies use you know ketchup with it too you know? <laughs> pig's blood yeah or uh, ca- uh, carol syrup or uh, what is that syrup whatever the syrup's called <laughs> not maple <laughs> <laughs> it's a clear scene. Not maple. But no, it's, you know, it's it's a great movie. But, uh, you know, from what we've heard, terrible, terrible, terrible person <laughs> in the lead. So, all right. You ready to get into this? Yeah. Uh, did, did you know this spe- spent 12 weeks at number one? Really? Yeah, and it coined a phrase in Hollywood that, you know, they use kind of behind the scenes and executives and stuff. And it's called getting home alone. And it's basically whenever your movie doesn't succeed because it's up against another movie that just demolishes every uh, every single other person, you'd hear an executive say, yeah, we got home alone. And mm. so I guess it, it, it spawned that. But 12, 12 weeks at number one. And I believe it came out in November, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Yeah, November 10th yeah. is when it came out. Um, these are your favorite movies, your favorite Christmas movies, aren't they? I mean, we, yeah, we talked about Christmas Vacation, but I mean, yeah, when you boil it, that's more about like you know, just because that's tradition like, too. And that's like, like a, a, a what do you call it? A foundation that can't be rocked. Yeah. But on top of that, it's Home Alone. Oh, absolutely. Above all else, yep. so why? Well, <clears throat> and why? It's just part one under part two. Well, here's the thing. You know, Macaulay Culkin's only a year older than I am, right? So same age group, you know, so when this movie came out, I was about the same age. So I, I kind of felt like a more of a an attachment to it because it was like, you know, what would a a, a le- what, he was 11, right? Yeah. 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 Because I was I would be. Uh, no, he was eight. Eight. Yeah. But he was actually if it came out in 90, he would have been 11 in real life then. Yeah, but his, his on you know like Wikipedia and everything yeah. and IMDb, his character is described as a rambunctious eight year old. Yeah, but you know it's like I was around the same age, right? Uh-huh. And so it just 
to think what what would an eight year old do if his parents were gone? I mean, nor- normally in real life, you know, yeah, you'd probably call the cops, you know, and be like, hey, um, you know, go to a neighbor. I mean, there was no neighbors, but you know, call the cops. You yeah. know, m- m- most kids would do that. But the fact that he, you know, like was doing laundry, cleaning, decorating, going to the store to get food. You know, I mean, it was just a very responsible eight-year-old. You, you know? know what's interesting? Because you, you had mentioned that, you know, why wouldn't he call the cops? And, you know, Macaulay Culkin actually did that, too. He's having an interview with Jimmy Fallon. And he goes, you know, one of the problems I had with that movie is why didn't he just call the cops? Why didn't he pick up the phone and call somebody? Yeah. But if you remember, right before they left for the airport, uh-huh. the guy comes running to the van. He was like, hey, just to let you know the... The the uh, uh, the storm it took out the electricity. We got your electricity back on, but the phones are a mess. And she goes, "Okay, all right, see you later." Yeah. And he's like, "It might be like two or three days before we get them back on." She's like, "Okay, have a merry Christmas," and then closed the door and they left. Yeah. So the phone lines were all down in their area. You're right. So like the power got back, put back on, but that's why they couldn't call the house and why they had to keep calling the police station and sending cops over. They couldn't call because like the phone lines weren't working. But obviously, town the town was close enough. <laughs> That he could have walked into that police station. Yeah, but remember, he just thought he made his parents disappear. Right. So he And he wanted to live on his own anyway, so he was living yeah. the high life, and he probably True. knew that the money was going to run out eventually, but he just wanted to have some fun. And then, because, you remember, in this movie, he was young enough to think that he had made his family actually disappear yeah. instead yeah. of they just left him or whatever. Whereas yeah. in the second movie, they knew he, he figured out what happened. But um, So for all he knew... His family's just gone off the yeah. face of the earth. And kids will believe anything. Yeah, and most kids would just be devastated, no matter what kind of fight they got in the night before. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah. Mom! But you, you know? see, you kind of see how that family operates. Yeah, nobody would really like it. He, he, no. There's six of them. So, I mean, yeah. you know, the last kid kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But Yeah, yeah. And, and plus... <clears throat> Obviously, the dad has to have a really good job to okay. pay for everything. Let's talk about and, it then. And, 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 and the fact that, you know, he probably spends a lot of time at work, except for on these uh, lavish vacations he's a- able to afford. Yeah. You know, pay for literally, <laughs> like, his whole family of, what, six? Or no, that's just kids, right? There's just, there's six kids, and then, you know, so eight people mm-hmm. in that house. And that... I want to I want to state outright that you know we've talked about uh, the school and and ten things I hate about you and how I said that's like the most epic school on screen and you said Harry Potter uh, Hogwarts yeah and I was like well no that's a made up school it's all computer generated <laughs> the ten things I hate about you is a real school but it's still Hogwarts this right. has got to be like the most iconic house oh yeah out yeah. of all cinema I mean the, yeah you got TV shows but I'm talking film. Uh, and, and when you see it again, like you see it in part two, you just know that house. You're like, ah, there's that house. Although the shot, the opening shot looked like the exact same opening shot of, as the first one. So I yeah. just like lit slightly differently. So I wonder if they but, if it was a little different. But I, such a I, great I agree house. with you that too because Freddy Krueger's house is another one. Yeah. But with this house, like you literally, I've, I saw in the news what was it was maybe a year ago or less than a year ago or something. That this house went on the market to sell. Well, the owners of it that owned it during the movie when the film was uh, when the movie was filmed, they sold it in 2012 for like 1.3 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Like this film, like this house, you literally hear about it getting sold 
you know, in real life. You know what I mean? That's how famous this house is. Yeah, and it was, they, they probably could have put it up for auction yeah. and just gotten so much money out yeah. of it. You know, everybody wants, you know, it's, you're not only getting a gorgeous house, you're not only getting, you know, uh, well, I mean, you're just getting a piece of Hollywood history. Yeah. You yeah. know, whether you want to live on it, yeah. let people rent it out or turn it into like a tourist museum where you can like have traps set up and uh-huh. everything throughout the house and and this house is literally um it's you know because it is famous like that but you know it represents when we talk about yeah 2012 and it was uh sorry it was 1.5 million dollars look at the trees in it they're they're like they weren't that big in the front yard and if you look at it nowadays it it doesn't have the roundabout driveway Mm -hmm. anymore it just has a straight on driveway but i won't give out the address for just in case somebody's actually living in it but uh, it is in winnetka illinois and uh in this movie the kitchen main staircase and the ground floor landing area so that one little area that was actually shot in the house the rest of it's on a sound sound stage we we just we can get into but what were you about to say about Um, the house the house is literally uh it's a character in a film <laughs> you know i knew I mean? it was coming it, it, it is it is it is i mean it, and it's don't say new york is a character though it is <laughs> stop it, it. Well is. stop it i'm gonna say it too <laughs> did you see that piece of snow there that's a character in the yes. movie. <laughs> no this house is though. it really is it really is I, seriously like if you're going through pictures anywhere no matter who you are film buff uh, you know maybe some people won't get it or whatever but if this picture ever popped up on your yeah. on your screen or on your phone or whatever, you'd immediately go, oh, that's the McAllister house. I, I wanted that house. I did, I too. Up. I think everybody did. When I grew up, I wanted to have that house. You know, yeah. back in the 90s, I wanted to have that house. And you if know? you look at the houses surrounding, they're all, like, nice houses, but nothing even close to what this house is. I don't yeah. It's just there's some kind of perfection, some kind of uh, architectural evenness about yeah. it. It's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah, just beautiful. So, and the uh, the uh, clubhouse was built for the movie, mm-hmm. and then torn down and everything. I mean, so. that was a really high clubhouse. If you think about it, like, 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 I mean, can you really see Mister McAllister climbing up that tree to build that tall, huge? clubhouse or not huge clubhouse no, but mr mcallister mr. would pay somebody to well, do that yes, probably <laughs> but uh yeah i mean just that that the thing was pretty high i mean i know they made it that high for the movie because that's you know yeah and you see his little his you see his stunt double mm-hmm. right across it mm-hmm. instead um but yeah that that's that's a little nightmare fuel right there too falling from that from, yeah. from that tree house that's tall i don't know how he was there a ladder on it because it felt I like think, the only way to get to it was the zip line, but he just did that for the trap or whatever. Yeah. But, um, so I want to get into the movie, though. Um, well, you know, jo- Joe Pesci deliberately avoided Macaulay Culkin on set. Yes, to I make did him look know like that. he was evil. To be, well, and to be more scary, mean, you know. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like uh, people that have people that have played horror movie icons have done stuff like that. You know, like yeah. Robert England staying away from the cast for yeah. Freddy. Yeah, uh, the the guy who did the scream voice, he yeah. never met Nev Campbell and uh, and uh, Drew Barrymore until after their scenes were all wrapped. Yeah, because they didn't want to know the voice behind yeah. or the face behind the voice. Yeah. He's a very iconic voice too. Yeah. yeah, and I think Robert De Niro was first set up to play Joe Pesci's role. Yeah, um, but passed on it for whatever reason. Thank um, God. 
and Joe Pesci took it, but he had a problem playing this role because his he was used to cussing. Yeah, and he goes when he when he reads scripts rip, that rip are, when he reads scripts that aren't Martin Scorsese scripts, mm-hmm. he says he has to add in the f word every couple every few couple sentences to to be able to read the script because he's just had a career full of scripts like, <laughs> like that's that. horrible. That he has to just throw those in there yeah. and everything. So. Uh, but glad he played it, and uh, and um, oh gosh, what's it? Uh, Daniel Stern. Yes. He passed on this role. I think I like, a first, couple yeah. times. Um, and you know, I think he was filming City Slickers when yeah. Home Alone first came out, mm-hmm. and they were just talking about the success. I think Billy Crystal kept coming on set saying, "Yeah, yeah, you know, your movie's number one again. You know, your your movie's number one again yeah. for like twelve weeks." So. <clears throat> Um, great movie. I'm glad. I'm glad that they cast everybody uh, properly. Um, we have uh, John Hurd as as Peter, Kevin's father. He has passed away. Yeah, the late John Hurd. Uh, in 2017, he passed away. Um, and I, I wouldn't expect that out of all this cast, him to be, you know, one of the first to go. I guess. Yeah. Very odd. Uh, I guess I should go ahead and intro this. <clears throat> um, today we're talking about Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Right now we're talking about Home Alone, uh, which came out in 1990. Uh, it was directed by Chris Columbus. Obviously, it was written by John Hughes. Uh, it stars Macaulay Culkin as Kevin, Joe Pesci as Harry, Daniel Stern as Marv, John Hurd as Peter McAllister, uh, Robert Blossom as Old Man Marley, Catherine O'Hara as Kate McAllister, it also stars uh, Angela Gothels, Devin Ratray, Gary Bamman, Hilary Wolf, John Candy, Larry Hankin, Michael C. Morona, Kristen Minter, and many, many others, including Kara Colton. Uh, Kier- Kieran Culkin. Uh, good old John Candy. He spent about a day filming his scenes. Uh, you know, he had the airport scenes and the scene in the van with Catherine O'Hara. Uh, but you know, they had to, uh, had to get John Candy back if you got Macaulay Culkin, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny too, because, um, like I was sitting there with the wife and she says his movies are all Rachel moments. The whole entire film is a Rachel. What? Movie. Home Alone? Yes. Okay. <laughs> she said well, it's, yeah, all, I mean, yeah, it's all yeah, very yeah. implausible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to let you guys know, 23 times these people, uh, according to a doctor that mm-hmm. Screen Rant got. 23 times these guys would have died altogether. Yes, I think it was like correct. I think it was like 9 for Harry and like 13 or 14 for Marv. Marv. <laughs> Poor he, Marv. Well, he had the bricks and yeah. every brick is a death. Yeah. In the part 2, yeah. the doctor said every time he got hit with a, a brick that's probably death. Yeah. <laughs> it happened four times. That's what, like, they were pretty even, except for those bricks. And yeah. Harry never got hit with a brick. I did. I was going to say, before I even watched that, I'm like, I know Marv took the most punishment. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, but we were saying, like, I was watching, and it, this shows the generational difference here, you know, because then I was, I we saw uh, Michael Morona on, on, on the thing. I said, hey, that that's the guy from Pete and Pete. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Rachel's like, Huh? <laughs> and I'm like, Pete and Pete. You don't I remember do Pete, and Pete? Pete and Pete. And I Maybe also forget like the she's like 10 years younger Pete. than us. Yeah. So, you know. Anybody who remembers the adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah. Again, the younger brother, for whatever reason, had a tattoo on his arm. of like, I think it was a mermaid or something mm-hmm. that he could make dance or whatever. But it's so random. It was a very random, but, you know, uh, Nickelodeon. Disney Channel were full of but see, but random see, shows back You know, Disney day. Channel was, was us, right? 
And then, I then it was Nickelodeon. Was Nickelodeon. I think Pete, Pete no, was it was Nickelodeon. Okay. Yeah, but then Nickelodeon was most of our, you know, because we we weren't rich, nick, 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 so nick, we couldn't nick, afford nick, the nick. Disney Channel. So we we'd or have HBO. To, yeah, yeah, after a period. Yeah, so <laughs> so we you know we could watch Nickelodeon though. You know what I mean? And so we got more into Nickelodeon, and then the older we got, we were able to get Disney, and so we got more into Disney. You know, but it was just weird that like that whole Nickelodeon was our life for like ten years. You know? What yeah. I mean? Yeah, did you have you you had some Domino's pizza right when you watched this? Mm-hmm. We also had some Domino's pizza. But that's not Domino's thing. Is no, it's pizza. Little Nero's, which I guess Little Caesars probably would have been more appropriate. Yeah, true, but true. I don't like Caesars. <laughs> I know your son, it's your son's favorite, but yeah, I actually love Little Caesars pizza. The, Little Caesars awesome. pretty far it's down pretty on my list. I I I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah. I think the crust is too. The dough is too oh, chewy. Man, I love it. I love it. <laughs> love it. All right, oh, horrible. But well, let's get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open up, and, and the McAllister family is preparing to spend uh, Christmas in Paris, uh, but they're first gathering at Peter and Kate's home in Chicago. Uh, the aunt and uncle, <clears throat> who the uncle is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's he's an ass, but he's hilarious. Uh, but they just drove it out from Ohio. He doesn't like paying for anything. No, nothing. <laughs> Not even tip for the pizza. And Peter's Peter's always paying for his, it looks like his older brother, to go yeah. on a trip with him. Yeah. I don't know if they're related to the the mom or the dad or whatever. Well, no, because his last name is McAllister. Yeah. Anyways, he doesn't want to pay for anything. Nothing. But Nothing. One of the first things that strikes me is Joe Pesci's Harry. We see him immediately. He's yeah. at the house. He's dressed as a cop. So immediately you think, okay, it's a cop. It's a good guy. It's going to be one that's, you know, hanging around the house, watching over the house, whatever. Yeah. Um, but nobody's paying attention to him. Yeah. Everybody's passing by. He's like, hey, kid. Hey, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. Sir. Hey, kid. Kid. You know, nobody's nobody's talking. Miss. Young lady. Excuse me. Yeah. Girls. Hey. 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 Yeah. hey. Excuse me, girls. Girls. Hey. 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 And and I think that's just foreshadowing that he's not a real cop. Nobody treats him like he is. Yeah. You know, if a cop's standing in a house, do you, don't you think every other kid would just be staring at him like, oh, there's a cop here. You know, I wonder what he, he's got a gun. He's got cuffs. You know, most kids, if there's a cop standing at the door, they're going to hang around and like, oh, you know, what's happened? Because why is he standing there? Somebody under arrest, whatever. Yeah. But everybody's ignoring him. Yeah. Everybody's ignoring him. And it's not until the adults come. And I mean, even the uncle comes and grabs a pizza and it's like he just barely recognizes him. So I think, but I think that's a kind of a cool little storytelling deal. I mean, yeah, you had to have him in there to introduce him and to find out how he knows all the information. But doing it in a way where nobody's paying attention to him, I think that yeah. kind of is a, a little sly way of showing he's not really a cop. And it's yeah. a foreshadowing that mm-hmm. he's not re- because nobody treats him like that. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Um, and we, we, we get, you know, to see this crazy, crazy family who is... Uh, it, it took me a while. It, it took me quite a few years in my childhood to figure out which kids belonged to the family yeah, and which yeah, kids yeah. didn't. I, I thought way. there was like four families in the house when I yeah, was younger. Me too. But there was only two. Like grown-up kids, too. Yeah. You know, some of them looked a little bit older that they could have been like 18 kind of thing. Yeah, and some of them, there was two kids there that weren't that weren't either of, their, either of those families' kids. They were the kids of the people that were in Paris where they were going. 
because oh see i didn't know that i didn't catch i didn't catch it until this time that i watched it because Mm -hmm. one buzz is asking the dude with the glasses you know do do chicks shave their pits in paris he's like no he's like not in the winter time that's not that's not uh peter's kid and it's not the brother's kid either uh he's Uh. from paris and the one girl who counts all the other kids Uh she's like the oldest cousin or whatever they're all cousins but the one that does all the counting at the beginning, I guess the oldest cousin, she actually states that she's like, oh, I don't, I live in Paris. Mm. So she, her and that other kid who actually looked like her brother, yeah. you know, they were actually from Paris. So it's just, uh, it's just chaos going okay. on in the house. <clears throat> and it's the night before they're leaving. This is the most, uh, you know, least prepared, uh, horribly planned <laughs> trips you know family i've ever seen because yeah you know they're leaving everything to last minute everybody's oh, yeah. running around last minute at nighttime trying to get stuff to which made me in the morning go why are they all like running around shouldn't like everything they did at nighttime make it to where all they had to do was get up get dressed and grab their bags and go but it looks like everybody some people are showering some people yeah. are doing more things than it looked like some people look like they were still packing in the well morning. if you remember some of our family reunions things it was kind of the same way like it was just all hectic everybody was going in a different direction especially like the day before everybody was leaving you know yeah it, it was pretty hectic yeah. that, that i guess they just go- amplified it for the movie and put it on laid it on thick for but the you got to admit that those parents especially you know kevin's parents are extremely patient parents because with all that, n- especially cra- Peter, yeah, all that crazy. I mean, you can see her, uh, his mom, kind of crack a little bit, you know, under the pressure a little. She bit. does. She seems pretty but, strict, but, though. She but stays on good. Kevin pretty mm-hmm. good. And I want to talk about Kevin and Buzz too, but um, I, I, I don't know. Real quick, as, as since we see this house as we open up, what do you think Peter does? Something in the stock market or something okay i could see that it works in the financial district mm-hmm. maybe a high-powered lawyer yeah or high high profile lawyer well because i mean we, we get with the robbers and they they look at that house the McAllister house as being the, the cream of the crop the cream of the crop and so obviously he's very successful and he makes a lot of money or she she may too i mean it doesn't actually say that she doesn't work either yeah. right yeah but so, everybody is always saying uh you know oh what does peter McAllister do yeah it's like yeah well it could be it you know what could is be his wife too what's, you know what's her name kate uh, i think it's kate yeah it's kate yeah but you know it's like she could be making a lot of money too you know i mean it's it, it yeah, no, back then no you never know i mean does. but uh, back then, you know, they maybe, maybe that's why Kevin's kind of forgotten about because she's not around to keep the kids in line yeah. and make sure that they're not bullying Kevin and everything because yeah. he's obviously getting stepped on because yeah. he's the youngest and everything. I mean, he's getting stepped on by his own uncles and, and yeah. the adults as well. You so know? what do you think about Kevin? I think he's a product of his environment. Because I think he's a brat. <sighs> I think obviously we see him at the end of the movie, but if you can take away, okay, he's the hero of the movie. If you can take that away, because in this movie, remember, it doesn't really focus on him until he starts to make trouble. And in, in the movie, when it opens up, he runs past the cop too, and it doesn't really focus on it. It's just focusing on all the kids until mm-hmm. it finally does focus on him. So 
I think if you just focus, if you were to look at him like his family does, then they might actually be justified in some of the stuff that they say and do. Now, Buzz, he's just a bully or whatever. But the rest of his family, when they say things like, oh, you know, you're what the French call, liaise et compétent, you know, or, uh, you know, they're saying, you know, mom does everything for you. If you look at it that way, he's an annoying little kid who doesn't do anything for himself. His mom is always coming in and doing things for him that the rest of the kids have to do on their own, but his mom does it for him. Uh, and he's always walking around telling on people, Buzz, was, you know, this person won't let me do this. This won't, person won't let me do that. He is an annoying little kid. Now he's at the the at the bottom, you know. He's at the bottom of the totem pole yeah. and everything. And he's, he's the only eight years old, you know. Yeah, and he's the youngest, so yeah, he's going to get kind of ignored or stepped on by the olders and all that kind of stuff. But he is a bratty little kid too. Yeah. yeah. So, I think they were justified in some of the ways that they they treat him. I mean, I not that I would treat somebody like that. I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like he was more product of his environment you know what i mean i i feel like he was he he's like the uh the runt of the litter you know and so they get all the table sc- you know they get all the scraps you know while you know the the because i mean you look at you look at his room right you look at uh buzz's room I and mean, he's got a very large room he's got all kinds of stuff in his room you know what i mean we and never saw kevin's we room. never saw kevin's room so we don't know if he was bunking up with another kid or anything else like that but i think you know, the uh the aunt and uncle had taken his room mm-hmm. is what but that's why he had to sleep up in the attic with Fuller. Mm-hmm. And because he is the low man on the totem pole, I, th- I feel like he reacts and he acts out that way because of his status in, in the family. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I kind of feel like, you know, he's just trying to not get stepped on, you know, constantly. So, yeah, he gives a little bit of attitude back, but I feel like it's just because he's you know, responding because any, any eight year old, I mean, half the time you have to tell your eight year olds, make sure they bathe, you know, go bathe, go, go take a shower, you know, change your clothes, this kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. He's just an annoying kid at the beginning. And, and while, you know, the, the older siblings shouldn't be such jerks and everything, which I want to get more into in part two. But, uh, I think in this one, I could see, I could see being annoyed with, with someone like mm-hmm. that who is always complaining, never does anything for himself when everybody else has to. Yeah. But they're older too. And then wants everything. So, yeah. um, anyways, him and his uh, brother Buzz getting into a little argument. They, they, they quickly mentioned this old guy who's walking down the street, salting the sidewalks and everything like that. And how it, there's an urban legend about him killing his family, salting and, the sidewalks and they're salting the story, yeah. with the little side, <laughs> side story and there. When, and then when Kevin doesn't get his pizza, he's real well, salty about it. You saw, you saw the similarities, <laughs> you saw the similarities between the old guy and the old, the older lady. Yeah, from the second one, They're basically the same character, right? right? Because part two is just a retread of part Mm -hmm. one, just Mm -hmm. like Ghostbusters, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But but it's, you know, I like the little side story. I thought that was, it was kind of a cool story. But did it really take an eight-year-old to get your family back together? That's what I was when I uh, told Henry at the end. I was like, wow, look, he got that family. He helped put that family back together. But I think I think the old man probably saw a lot of himself in Kevin and maybe vice versa, where they both have trouble admitting when they're wrong or whatever. And so, you know, they were kind of trying to push each other to do the right thing when they were in that church. So it was kind of like a Christmas past. uh, 
you know, like like he's the Scrooge. future. Yeah, he, he's like the future <laughs> the Kevin. Future me. He's the future Kevin if Kevin doesn't change. And his I ways. think that was the point, which we I guess we can get to now. You know, yeah. I think when they were in the church, uh, it was Kevin seeing how he if he kind of held these grudges and um, let those fights define him and his family and his relationship with his family, yeah. then he's going to end up Christmases years without, mm-hmm. you know, seeing his family or whatever, which he realizes sidewalks. now yeah. sucks. And just like the old man realizes now, whenever he told his son, I don't care to see you anymore. And he said the same. And now he realizes, well, that sucks. You know, yeah. now I can't see my son or my granddaughter. Yeah. So, um, but they get into a fight and um, they uh, spill a bunch of stuff all over the kitchen, ruining the pizza. They have to dry out the tickets. Did you see what got thrown away? Yeah. So Kevin's ticket got thrown away. Um, another reason for them to not know that he was with them because they would be like, oh, wait, whose spare ticket is this? Where's Kevin? You know, because they all had it's their names written on it. Final destination moment. <laughs> was it? It's kind of like Final Destination. Yeah, I guess. You know, because it, they, they play, they play you know, in the Final Destination films, right before something happens, they kind of go through it, you know, play certain yeah. kind of music and, and go through the, you know, seeing fate, you know, not not anything physical, but fate moving it just like that, fate moving the ticket into the trash Maybe. can. It just so happens. Well, and it was the dad who threw the, threw, threw the ticket away, but I think I had never noticed it when I was a kid. I remember it, like, holding the shot on the trash can as more yeah. and more napkins were being thrown in there. And I always thought it was weird when I was younger. I was like, why are they, sh- are they just showing how much trash is being thrown away? For some reason, it didn't click with me that that was really? the ticket that really? was thrown away. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was much older until I actually saw that and I realized, oh, okay, his ticket got thrown away, so that was That's another how it reason. messes up the count. Well, and plus the, the neighborhood kid that, that uh-huh. gets the head count and everything. Yeah. So... Um, anyways, he gets in trouble, and he gets into uh, a fight with his mom. She says, you're the only one in this family who likes to make trouble. Obviously bullshit. We could parallel Buzz these loves movies to, at the same time. Buzz loves to make trouble. What? We could parallel both these movies at the same time and talk about the exact I guess same we could, but I don't, I, that's going to confuse the crap out of me because I'm going to miss points that I want to make. Because, I mean, even at the beginning of this movie and part two, literally, like, they both... Kevin both ends up on their bed talking to their mother. But he's much you know. more mature in this one, which is what I kind of want to get yeah. to. And it's kind of the whole Venkman thing, too. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so anyways, he get, he has he gets sent up to the uh, attic and he tells his mom he never wants to see anybody again. Uh, during the night, the power, you know, the wind kicks up and uh, knocks a tree over on some power lines and some phone lines. By the morning, the power line's fixed, but it's reset everybody's clocks. So they're late. The uh, the telephone lines don't work and everything. So it's a mad rush to get out of the house. They're, they're actually woken up by the people that are supposed to be picking them up at 8 o'clock. And they're just now waking up. By the time they leave, the plane takes off in 45 minutes and they got to make it in time. They're procrastinators. Yeah. So there's a huge thing where they, they, they get all the kids lined up outside and they're doing a head count. Neighborhood kid walks by and starts snooping around. Real, you know, circumstances of events that mm-hmm. happen. Final and destination. exactly and and so as he's snooping in the bags and the the uh van uh, as she's going down and counting she just assumes that's kevin and counts that kid mm-hmm. so that's how he gets left behind because yep. you had to have a plausible way for him to get left behind i mean no no matter what it wouldn't be plausible either way no but, if but i have plausible reasoning yeah if i have all those kids most of them i let them go on their own but i have my eyes on an eight-year-old kid or especially your own kids for that matter yeah and this goes with part two when they go in the airport i'm gonna have my eyes on an eight-year-old kid who i know is a troublemaker yeah <laughs> 
and gets himself into trouble and everything. So I'd have my eyes on that kid or my hand on his shoulder to mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, he doesn't get lost in the airport. Because think about it. You know, Kevin's parents, they only had to really worry about their six kids because the Paris kids were older. Uh -huh. And then the uncle's kids. Except you know, for he, the Kieran Culkin one. He was one of the uncle's kids. Yeah, but the, the uncle's kids, just let the uncle worry about his own kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just worry about your six, you know, and then. Don't worry about anybody else's because the other the older kids are going to make sure they're on there. They're going to make sure they're in the van, you know, but worry about your, your, your eight year old, you know, <laughs> at worry least about your own stuff. Stay mm -hmm. in your lane. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So anyways, they, they they get on the plane and they take off to Paris um, with supposedly everybody on board. But obviously that's not the case. <clears throat> Kevin comes down from the attic. Last one awake. He's probably comes down like an hour after they leave or whatever. He's looking at the house. It's empty. He realizes he's made his par his family disappear. And he thinks he actually made them disappear. Not that they just left without him. Yeah. He actually says, I made my family disappear. And he's all happy about it. <clears throat> so, anyways, we uh, we get introduced then to the robbers. Um, and um, we see that the cop from the beginning, his, uh, Harry, he is actually a robber. And he was in that cop get up as a disguise. They have a plumbing van. And they... Uh, talk about uh, they're basically robbers they, they have that that van that disguises them so they can go into people's houses and they wait for people to go off on trips where they're going to be out of the out of the country or out of the state or whatever it is and i as a plumber i'm offended I'm just <laughs> you should uh, you should start a plumbing company and <laughs> do it like that okay yeah. plumbing yeah and do it exactly okay. that that's how it looks on their van <laughs> I'm that sure there are awesome. uh, plumbing companies because then that. you get so many people going. Are you a home loan fan? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> but what I thought was funny about this intro is, you know, first Harry's introducing Marv to all the houses that he's he's scoped out, right? And so he's showing him how all the lights turn on at certain times, and then he shows him the McAllister house, and he's like, "And that's the that's the that's the good one, you know, that's the one that we're waiting for." And, uh, you know, Daniel Stern, obviously hilarious as Mar. Yeah. It's hard to believe he was the voice of a grown-up Kevin on The Wonder Years. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. He, yeah. he was the voiceover guy on that. But uh, what I thought was funny about that is that when they start talking about what is, could be in that house, and Harry's like, you know, we're talking about fine jewelry, cash stock, odd marketable securities. You know, he's real into it. And Marv's like, probably lots of toys. <laughs> it just, it's so great because it shows their personalities, even though yeah. they're both bumbling. Yeah. At least Harry's got like, like high goals, you know, his yeah. bar's set real high and everything. He's talking about fine jewelry and cash stock and odd marketable securities. And Marv just goes, probably lots of toys. <laughs> just gives you a sense of how these two are. Um, so as as Kevin goes along, he breaks into his brother's room, pulls down a bunch of shelves to get his little cash stash that he has. And I mean, to what he was by himself for, what, two or three days? Yeah. But then also the tarantula gets out. Yeah. And it starts crawling around the house. But anyways, as, as he's going along, you know, he, he's doing all these things. Well, he goes to buy this toothbrush mm -hmm. and the old man comes. Is he intentionally trying to be scary? Because, I mean, I mean yeah, he walks right up now. and he slams a, a bloodied bandaged hand down on Kevin. He doesn't have anything in his hand. He just slams it down right next to Kevin. Yeah. Like, is he trying to be... And then he just stares at Kevin. Now, I think the old man figures something's up. Yeah. Because he probably has never seen this kid out by himself. Yeah. Because they probably don't let him do that type mm -hmm. of stuff because mm -hmm. he'll just get into trouble. So he's probably wondering why he's always seeing this kid by himself yeah. and nobody else. Yeah. And none of his family and everything. So I have a feeling that he's kind of just keeping his eye on him. Luckily. 
Yeah, and who knows? There might be a side story where the guy knows that he's been left behind, yeah. and he's just trying to like he's secretly just keeping an, keeping eye, an eye on him from him. far. Yeah, yeah. And then he sees those burglars, and that's how he knew to come after yep. him in that house. But um, anyway, so uh, he, you know, well, he's kind of creepy too if you think about it. He's spying on me. <laughs> yeah. They have a different word for that. Uh, yeah, it's a little creepy. <laughs> Uh, but he, you know, he, uh, he, the burglars come back a couple nights, you know, the first yeah. time they come back, he turns on the light and scares them away. You know, the second time they come back, um, he set up this crazy party at nighttime with mm-hmm. a train and a Michael, Car- Michael Jordan Carver cutout. I thought, I thought that was a lot, you know, I mean, this kid is a genius, obviously. Yeah. And, but do you think that you'd see that from the outside and just people see say, the same spinning thing and kind of question it a little bit? Well, I mean, what she, kind of speakers did he have going out I with know. like the, the little background talking that you can hear? Well, like, unless you know. it's just, those guys are probably just idiots. Don't you know a kid always wins against two idiots? Yeah, I mean they're idiots because <laughs> they can't because be Harry, year old. I mean Harry has all the things in his head. You know, he's talking about odd marketable securities and yeah. doing all this kind of stuff. But the fact that this kid outsmarts them, yeah, it throws Harry into a rage. Literally because, predicts everything they're going to do. Yeah, because I mean in the second movie he's like, I'm not going in there. You know, he's like, remember what happened last year? He's like, let's just get the pictures. <laughs> And when he kept throwing the bricks, finally after the fourth brick, uh, Harry goes, "That's it, kid. Nobody throws bricks at me and gets away with it." And he he falls right, you know, right into Kevin's trap. Yeah, because he can be as smart as he want as a burglar, but the fact that he's being outsmarted and being challenged by this little kid, it throws his rational brain out the window, and yeah. he's just like, "Okay, now I'm going to be an idiot." So they're idiots. Yeah. While while Marv is more of an, you know, wears his idiot on the outside, yeah. it takes a little bit for Harry's to come yeah. out, but. So that's the second time he comes that they come by, and the third time that they come by, um, he does the little uh, "Angels with uh, Filthy Souls" movie yeah. that scares Marv. Now, "Angels with Filthy Souls" obviously it's not it's not a, a correct, yeah, real thing. No, but the title is based off of a real movie back in 1938 that had James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart in it, and it yeah. was called "Angels with Dirty Faces." So it this one is these names. this one, and that was a real movie. Angels with and it was a crime noir film and everything. Angels with dirty faces and the one in the uh, Home Alone is called Angels with filthy souls, and then <laughs> obviously part two we have Angels with even filthier souls, <laughs> like great title well, choices. And, and you see in the very new one that just came out, they have a one that where they're in space. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the new one, it's a sci-fi one, right? And they always say, oh, they always have to ruin the original and blah, you know, kind of a tongue-in-cheek or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like saying home even a loner, (laughs) you know, instead of angels with even filthier souls. This is home sweet home alone. Yeah, it's it's getting ridiculous. Like I said, it's a a pretty good movie. It is. I liked it. I thought it was hilarious. If you pretend it's not supposed to be a home alone movie or whatever, then... You know, it's like a lot the kid. Better. I could even. I didn't care about the kids' traps in the new one. You know, I was just like, I, I, it was just watching the quote unquote burglars, and it had no like it, iconic, it iconic traps where yeah. which we're going to get yeah. into and everything. But um, so uh, he sees them, and they're like, "Wait a minute!" Uh, uh, they're about to leave because it does that thing where it scares Marv away. He uses the fireworks to make it sound like real gunshots, mm-hmm. and Marv trips over trash cans and runs back. 
And obviously, Marv has seen the movie before. He's probably a fan or something he's like, because I, I, he's like, I know I've heard that bef- that that voice before, and I know I've heard the name Snakes before. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pesci's just like snakes, snakes. I don't know no snakes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So uh, so then they're like, well, let's just wait so we can put it. So that's Harry thinking. He shows that he is smart, but that Kevin makes all that go out to the window when they're yeah. like mano a mano with him. But he's like. If we get fingered for a job, at least if we can, you know, ID a murderer, you know, we'll get time off our bid or whatever. You yeah. Know? At least we at least we have something to put in our pocket. So then they see Kevin come out and cut down a tree and they realize, oh, we're getting we're getting scammed by uh, what do you say? Yeah. A kindergartner. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I thought that was pretty funny. All while that's going on, obviously, the mom and dad realize on the flight over to Paris that they've forgotten <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. I, I think I would have done a head count right before I took off. I would have gone back to coach me like, okay, there's that one, that one, that one. Okay, yeah. I got all my kids. I got yeah. all my children. Obviously, they don't do that. And then Home Alone 2 just really secures the notion that these are the worst parents in yeah, movie history. For real. Or at least the most uh, irresponsible ones. He, even he ta- even Buzz talks about it in the new one. Too. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Twice. <laughs> And and we find out to this day Kevin's been pranking yeah. Buzz by calling a Home Alone into his into his beat every single year. Because my brother does this every year. And apparently, he also sets up a, a home security system or invents a home security system because that home yeah, security it's like system McAllister's yeah. And so obviously Kevin's probably rich because he's created this home security yeah, which is. It, it makes sense. makes sense and yeah. buzz is just like a little beat gop yeah it's hilarious but so while they're doing that he's they get to, an idiot too. yeah he's a, a much he's very and these guys don't know how to plan a christmas trip they go to paris where none of them know french well maybe like the one daughter knows a little bit of french yeah. but everybody looks miserable there yeah <clears throat> they don't understand the 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 movies because it's all in french and both in home alone and home alone 2 Wherever the family goes, they're always watching It's a Wonderful Life. And the yeah. first one, it's in French, and they can't understand it. Yeah. And the second one, it's in Spanish, and they Spanish. can't understand it. <laughs> they're just, like, the whole time they're looking at it like... Like, like, like Kevin actually has a pretty good Christmas vacation when they leave. He has the know? best vacation. Yeah. Because he knows what Christmas should be. And they're sitting there going to, like, Florida, and it's raining, and they're going to Paris, and that yeah, doesn't make any sense check their weather, them. you know, when they went to Miami. Terrible you know? vacations. Like, they're spending all this money, and... Like, at least go to New York. Do something like yeah. that, you know? But anyway, so they get there, and Catherine O'Hara does what she can. She she has some uh, quite neurotic moments. She is amazing. Yes, and I don't is. know if this movie would be as good if it wasn't for her, because she leads that B-plot. Yeah. You know, there's the mm-hmm. A-plot with Kevin and the, the robbers. Then there's the B-plot with the family. Yeah. And she leads that. I mean, uh, John Hurt is really good, and he's very confident. And seems she's like, like the a- main secondary character. I mean, besides the robbers, you know, but she's really kind of yeah. like it's it's about 80, 80, 20, you know, split between Kevin yeah. and her, you know, in a way. Yeah, so. and so she and she really just she owns it. I mean, yeah. the the manic breakdown of what a, a mom would go through, but still trying to keep it realistic to where you know you're more strength than you know yeah. breaking down or whatever. Yeah. So. And it, it kind of irked me, like, the fact that the family showed up basically the exact same time she went through. So she went all through that for nothing. But, you know, she was waiting, hoping she'd get back a little earlier. Yeah. But they all ended up showing up at the same time anyways. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she takes all these flights. She eventually gets back to Scranton. Do you think that's some sort of, like, redemption for her? 
that she goes through like that she has to go through all yeah, the crap yeah kind of like a, a way to redeem her or, or at least a punishment for being such a terrible mother yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah maybe driving around in a uh u-haul van in the a budget of, or, yeah a budget. back of a budget van <laughs> with uh, this is the 80s uh, yeah budget with uh john candy and a Some bunch polka of people. Uh, polka people <laughs> But they end up, she ends up in Scranton. She goes from, from Chicago to Paris, from Paris to Dallas, to Dallas to Scranton. Yeah. I've, now, you know, audience can correct me if I'm wrong, but that looked like an entirely too big of an airport to be a Scranton airport. And I didn't know yeah. that Scranton even had an airport. Yeah. I'm trying to it probably the does. office. Yeah, I know. It probably does. I know that's where, I think Biden's from Scranton, isn't he? Yeah, he is. So, anyways, we, uh, she gets to Scranton and she's trying to get home. And she meets John Candy, who kind of steps up after she has her little manic episode uh, and uh, explains that he can take him down. She's very offended that she doesn't know who the Poco people yeah. are. But, yeah. but you know, it was really good to have him because he was a very warm. He's kind of like a and I don't mean this because of weight or whatever. He's kind of like a Santa character where he's, you know, he's giving that advice. He's that old sage character, almost kind of like a magical character yeah. in Christmas movies that yeah. kind of show up with no mm-hmm. warning and then disappear and you don't know where they went type of people. Kind of like the toy stop, uh, toy store owner in the second one. Yeah, yeah. He would be like that character in this one. But in this one, it was to calm her fears and let her know people make mistakes you know, this is what Christmas time is all about. Yeah, and the second one just for him to show, you know, that there are good people in this world. You know what I mean? That there are good, wholesome people in this world, you know, because, you know, he's always talking, you know, Kevin's always talking bad, you know, down on his his uh, his family and everything else until the end of the movie, and then he misses them and, and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I, I liked his character. I don't know if we needed it. Um, it would have been fine to just have her keep struggling and struggling yeah. until she finally got back there. Yeah. But her sitting in the back of a budget, I mean, it just showed that she would do anything to get back to yeah. her son, even if it meant getting to a budget truck with, what, like seven, six mm-hmm. or seven full-grown men, strangers, that she has no idea who yeah. they are. She's going to get home to her son. Yeah. So anyways, uh, he goes to see a choir perform, and that's when old man Marley comes up. Um, the the one that he's been afraid of, and mm-hmm. and actually, um, Christopher or Chris Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, they got to make that distinction. He doesn't go by Christopher; he goes by Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> real quick, the the pizza guy who came home and also had to deal with the angels with filthy soul clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thought. Yeah, I think he quit. <laughs> really? <laughs> because otherwise, he would have gone back to his work talked about the gunfiring the boss probably a manager or whatever probably would have called the cops right cops would have been sent over there yeah i imagine he just quit and went home and never went back to work because he was so <laughs> he looks scared enough but that my in-universe explanation of why just, the cops didn't come he was just a little stoner was, kid and he just, thought he was just tripping out and he was like well you know what i got money for it so you know hey let's go with it yeah so uh but we're back in the church and the old man's walking over to him and the the uh, they're singing uh oh holy night yeah and uh right as the 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 guy walks up the the lyrics that they're singing is oh hear the angel voices and then the man speaks mm-hmm. he says merry christmas merry christmas may i sit down 
And Kevin kind of looks at him weird. So it's kind of like a shadow. It's kind of saying, this isn't a devil. Yeah. This isn't a bad guy. Oh, here are the angel voices. And he says, Merry Christmas. Yeah. And showing that he's an angel, you know, right. yeah, not an angel with filthy soul. A guardian angel, yeah. Right. So yeah. he's kind of like, it's kind of like being uh, his little watcher as his family's yeah. been gone. Like he probably is keeping afar, but if anything were to happen, he would right. intervene, which he does. Um, <clears throat> so that that was cool. They talk about it. They give each other advice and have their whole conversation. And uh, hopefully they take each other's advice and everything. Uh, but then um, the uh, the music kicks in for for to, to get ready for the epic final scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, should we take this opportunity to talk yet again about John Williams oh, and yeah. his epic yeah. score? I mean, this kid, like I said, this guy has scored our childhood. Yeah, you know, yeah. whether it's Star Wars, Superman, Indiana Jones, uh, Home Alone, you know, Jurassic Park. He's done all these movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I think that out of all the Christmas themes, out of all the Christmas movies, this has to be the most recognizable Christmas oh, theme. Yeah. The dun, 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 dun. Or when it gets the, the uh, it kind of tweaks the uh, Carol of the Bell song. The dun, 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 dun. And then he turns it into kind of a, you know, it kind of yeah. turns it into a Home Alone theme and yeah. everything when it gets crazy. So no, I just it's, it's extremely it. recognizable. I love you know? it, and and everybody knows it. I mean, is there there's not another you know except for maybe Christmas Vacation. But I mean, maybe that's just us because we like that movie. Maybe, but yeah, you're probably right. Definitely with with Home Alone, it's probably the most recognizable. So yeah, I think Elf is probably recognizable to this generation. Maybe a couple others, but I mean that's got to be the most recognizable, at least Christmas track. Yeah, from a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to our final thing. He starts setting up all his traps, and he puts his. I looked at the clock on the microwave when he put his mac and cheese in, mm-hmm. and when he takes it out, it's eight fifty seven. Mm-hmm. He knew he only had three minutes to eat. Yeah. So why even? <laughs> it well, felt like he just took entirely too much time to get the placemat set, and then he sat down, and then he was just about to take a bite, and the, the clock goes off. Because he's mean, obviously OCD. Maybe he just I wasn't mean, looking at the clock. You couldn't set up traps like that and predict like that if you weren't just obsessively compulsive on certain things. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, maybe so that, that just didn't work out in his schedule. So that that goes to the trash, yeah. basically. You know. And a lot of these traps have to do with like pure luck that. Like, so we said, like, the little seesaw thing. Or at the, extremely bad luck. Yeah. Well, yeah, depending on how you're looking. Exactly. If you're if you're the robbers versus if you're right. Kevin. But, like, like the little seesaw thing at the uh, right before all the stuff, uh, right before all the traps in part two, mm-hmm. when they're robbing the toy store, mm-hmm. and he sets up that little thing. First of all, Harry would have to jump on the right spot to be on the right side. Then Marv would have to jump on the right spot to launch mm-hmm. him. So I mean, there's a lot of that. Like it has, it has to work out just perfectly. Like the uh, <laughs> him going up the stairs and puncturing his foot on the nail yes. or whatever. You Sticky know. stairs. You know, like the, he puts the ornaments by the windows. Yeah. How would he know they wouldn't be have shoes hey, on? Hey, we haven't given our list yet. You're like naming no, all but, my favorite traps. But the lists aren't coming until part two. Okay. Yeah, so we're fine. But I mean, like when he's stepping on the the broken ornaments, how did he know? How did he, Kevin know they'd have their shoes off at that point? 
What if they came in? That was one of the first thing they tried, and they still had their shoes on. Yeah, you know, it had to have worked just perfectly to where he knew. Okay, they're gonna try the basement, which will take their shoes off, and then they'll come around to this window and step on the broken yeah. ornament. So yes, there had there. There's Maybe a he had ornaments of, at every single window, though. Uh, I don't know. It looked like it was just this one. It could have yeah. been, but I think this is just one of these. You have to very much suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Obviously, for the insanity of how bad these things mm-hmm. would kill you or whatever. Yeah. So they spend the next, you know, 20 minutes trying to get into the house mm-hmm. and trying to get up the stairs. And I think when I was younger, I felt like it took a lot longer. But before I knew it, they were already going up the stairs with the mm-hmm. tarantula and everything. Yeah. So anyways, obviously, there's the um, there's the talk of the theory that Kevin grows up to be the jigsaw killer. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that. I think it's silly. I mean, obviously, they have different names and everything. Yeah. I know it's just a fun thing to say. Oh, you know. Well, if you watch the new movie, it explains what happened to Kevin. So, you know. Yeah, obviously, he he does that other thing. But it's it's pretty funny because, yeah, Yeah. you do have – and you you do kind of think, wow, these are some sadistic kids or whatever. Well, when you get to the second one, they're darker. Like, they're more – violent Lethal? More lethal. You know, like they're stepping on ornaments. You know, I mean – I, well, I'm even when they sure. go down the rope, and yeah. he's like, nice night for a neck uh-huh, injury. Exactly. And it's like, well, yeah, or death. You or know, death. you have just yeah. soaked that whole thing in kerosene. Throwing bricks at their head, like I said, yeah. at the very beginning of it all, then, yeah, Kevin it's going to kill him. Gavin was a gangster in part two. He yeah. was really going after But him. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, getting hit with a can of paint, you could probably live from that. Right? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, I mean, th- that that whole video takes you through every single trap yeah. and w- how they would have died. Yeah, and it was something like twenty three times altogether yeah. they would have died. But that's weird. Like, uh, what did they say? Uh, 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 penile hematomas from getting shot in the nuts with the BB gun, <laughs> and uh, same stables. thing with getting shot in the head with the BB gun and all. <laughs> stuff i mean just great stuff poor marv (laughs) yeah i know so anyways they go across the to the uh the clubhouse and they're idiots because they're like oh they want to does he want us to go back through the fun house we've already sprung all the traps just go back through the house you don't think that just following him was just another trap that shows how much of an idiot you know how much idiots they are can we talk about like you skipped over the the uh the spider because that's like no that's like one of the most iconic scenes in okay. Home Alone. yeah so they know? get to the top of the stairs and finally they're starting to actually catch up to kevin a little faster than he yeah. thought they would yeah and you know he had that little line for make them trip or whatever but marv actually grabs kevin and he's got yeah. him uh, and Kevin doesn't actually know what to do. This wasn't part of the plan, but he just happens to see a tarantula, grabs it, and puts him yeah. on his face. Now, that really happened. It was a real tarantula, and um, Daniel Stern said, okay, you can do it, but you have one chance to do it. I will let you put the spider on my face once, and that's it. So that thing that you see him doing, that was the only take they did with a real spider on his face, and he was like, I'm only doing it once and everything, and he didn't actually scream. Because they, really? didn't, they didn't want to startle the spider and make him, like, try to attack him or go in his mouth or something. Oh. So when he did it, they put it on. He just went like that. And then they just dubbed it afterwards oh in post-production, his scream and everything. But he couldn't actually scream with the spider on his face. Well, and the thing is, is that's not a poisonous spider. No, it's, well, I mean, it is, but not to Not us. to humans. It can't, yeah, it can't it get can't through our through skin no. or something like that. Yeah, but that's not poisonous to us, and and the fact that you know, I mean, I guess it's just but a it's phobia. a freaky thing. It's a phobia. Yeah, yeah and you're thinking of what the you know the try to go into your ear, your mouth, or something yeah. like that. But I mean, it's just probably just a freaky thing, yeah. and they didn't want to scare the spider or whatever. Yeah. But 
But that scream, his scream is iconic in these films. I mean, it it just makes it twice as funny for him to scream like a girl. Ow! I got him! Harry, help me! Get up! Oh man, it's it's and it's it's almost as good as well. I think it's almost as good as the bird one because the bird one is just outrageous, and I can't yeah. for that. But I like that they separate them; they don't have them go together. I think in some of the subsequent sequels that like went straight to video, there's like four of them in one movie, and they were yeah. all going together. And in this newer one that just came out, the two of them go through the traps a lot. But uh, I like that they separate him because they're such different people and they react to things. You know, yeah. uh, Harry's all anger and it's all frustrating thing. But he gets more of like the permanent injuries. But if you, if whether you, it's the burn or the yeah. burn on his head and everything. Whereas Marv, he'll get like a nail in his foot or he'll get this on him or that on him or whatever. But it's things that will heal, but probably hurt more. Whereas Harry's getting the things that maybe don't hurt him more, but they're more permanent. And Marv's reaction to things are so funny, and Harry's reaction to things are just kind of more angry, but he has more of the high falls and stuff. You, you know, they could have solved all their problems and basically probably not got take you know taken down as easily as they did is if they stayed together, both movies. Yeah, probably, probably because one would see it and then, you know, be able to warn the other or right. whatever, or one would be able to see that something that the other but i mean they did have a couple of those in part two where they were together and in part one <coughs> and they still get smashed yeah um obviously the paint can one is one that's like in been repeated and in trailers and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff um the ornaments when you when he came through and stepped on those those were actually made out of candy glass mm -hmm. so not actually real glass but just in case they still had uh had daniel stern have rubber uh, soles mm. on his bare feet. Um, did you know the pictures? <clears throat> Notice the pictures going up the stairs. Yes. When it was getting closer to the... the, uh, You don't really see much pictures of them throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. But because there's so many, hap so many things happen around the staircase, I got a sense like the family was with him at that point. Mm -hmm. Like as he was defending the house... Then it actually showed us shots with the family family pictures and his sisters and brothers right behind the robbers mm -hmm. as it's going up the stairs. And I felt that, that was kind of a cool little thing because it felt like the family was with him. There was behind him as he was trying to defend their house while they were gone. Um, and uh, if you notice in the second movie, it's funny because in the first movie, all the pictures go up the stairwell and there's like there's like 15, 20 pictures that go up the stairwell. And the second one, they're all in a group and there's like four or five pictures yeah. and that's yeah. it. That's the only thing on the stairwell, but but I, I feel like kind of in a way that you know I don't think Kevin really told his parents. I don't think he did about the robbers. No, no, because he cleaned he up the house and like nothing was that wrong. And then, but that being said, what if the cops questioned them about what they did? How would they know? No, because the neighbor across the street, it was already house was flooded. They robbed that house right. already. That's where they arrested them as well. So but how they, would they explain all the injuries they got? 
I mean, do you think they they told the cops about getting beat up by mm, a, a I kid? Because I then highly that, doubt Because then that news would go to the prison, and yes. then they'd get a bunch of crap for being beaten up by an eight-year-old. top of that, they'd probably get more prosecution for trying to break into this house and try to attack a kid. Well, and they already knew everything they'd gotten because they had flooded every house, yeah. thanks to Mars. But that's what I'm saying. That's just an extra uh, charge on them, and, and same thing with you know attacking a kid. It might be so even what, worse. What do you think was their story about? Why are you so beat up right now? Including them getting shoveled by an old man. Just say a homeowner was home. Maybe. Maybe they just said we fell down a bunch of stuff. Because they, they obviously would have had to go to the hospital and got a lot of injuries treated. They would have had to have broken bones and mm-hmm. and contusions, internal bleeding, all kinds of stuff going on. I wonder if they got to go to like a hospital prison or something because they were so beat up. Uh, no, I mean, I have a theory about them, but <clears throat> we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, <clears throat> So anyways, they, he... He goes across to the uh, the clubhouse. They get you know they get knocked down again. They uh, finally get ahead of him and use their brains and st- instead of following him, they go around and do their own little route like they should have done. They corner him. They put him up on a wall and then he's talking about biting off all of his fingers. Mm-hmm. He uh, Joe Pesci really did bite McCullough Culkin in real life and he still got a scar from it. He broke skin and everything. By accident, whenever he went to go bite and, like, supposedly got hit or whatever, mm-hmm. it nudged him, and he accidentally did bite down on mm. And uh, I guess McCulloch Culkin still got the scar on his oh, finger wow. from where Joe Pesci, uh, Joe Pesci bit him. Pishy. Pishy. Um, so, anyways, the old man comes from behind him, knocks them both out with shovels. But that, that's what makes me laugh is that snow shovels aren't very heavy. No. You know, they got to be light for shoveling and everything. But they're metal, but they're like a sheet metal that's real light and everything. They just went through getting beat the hell out of them with paint cans to the face, yeah. all these different things. And all it took was one little strike for the snow shovel each, and yeah. they were knocked out. Yeah. How did they not get knocked out before all the bullshit that they just went through? But it's a little snow shovel that just knocks them out. And that's our Rachel moment brought to you by the Post Credit <laughs> Podcast. It really is. It just makes me laugh. The whole movie like, They just Rachel got their moment. butts kicked, but... Yeah. So anyways, they, uh, he goes to, he cleans up his whole house, right? He's just created a mess with this, these traps, but he cleans it up before his family gets home. Why didn't he clean up Buzz's room? Probably because he didn't care. <laughs> just like, I mean, it wasn't part of the, but I mean, he had already trashed that room. Yeah, but I and think. And of course, at the end, you I, get the, Kevin, what did you do to my room? Yeah, but, but I think you get to that point where it's like, you know, I don't think my parents are going to knock me for having his room a mess. But why? They did kind of forget about me. Yeah, that's know? true. But it wasn't really like he could blame it on. See, if he had told them about the robbers, then he could just blame it yeah. on them. But for all they know, he just, like he said, he told them. He just hung around. Yeah. You know, what'd you do? Well, I just hung around. And I feel like, like he doesn't relay this information. You know, that's kind of like his, you know, you know how like Stewie from, um, uh, family guy right yeah stewie has his own little adventures he gets into you know like <laughs> all over the universe and different dimensions and all over the other place i feel like that's kind of kevin you know yeah. what i mean like he he really just has his own thing going on in the side over here you, you know, don't where think that kid would have told somebody like look i just kicked these robbers ass and i'm awesome yeah well i don't think kevin would though because he has Kevin proof would. in it he's got they got harry's gold tooth and yeah i know i mean I, not that I, kevin knew that it was there no his dad did, he did a crappy job of cleaning because that tooth yeah. was just out there i mean really, not did he do a all. crappy job because i mean i thought he did a pretty darn good job well, really. obviously not he didn't do any vacuuming because yeah, well, that tooth is still on the ground well, the, but all, all the legos are up though so he wakes up i thought this was pretty brave the of the filmmakers to show the cookies and milk not touched 
in the kids' movie. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't say more about that. Yeah. I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, because you got a lot of kids watching this, and yeah. a lot of kids would be like, well, what, what happened? Anyways. Um, he saw Marvin Harry, and he didn't want to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, well, anyways, Catherine O'Hara comes back, and she comes in, and the family comes in at the same time, and they all lovey-dovey, and he sees that his neighbor, the old man, Marley guy, he got to back together with his family, and it's all good, you know, and I think that this movie is about responsibility and the true meaning of Christmas, which is family. Yeah. So, you know, it's about Kevin learning to be responsible because – the entire first part of the movie was all his siblings saying, you don't know how to do anything. You're, you know, you need everybody to do stuff for you. You know, you're, you know, you're useless. Mm-hmm. And when they went away, he was doing shopping. He defended their house from criminals. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, he did all this stuff. He even brought a family together next door. Mm-hmm. He did it all by himself. Yeah. Nobody else. So yeah. responsibility and the true meaning of Christmas, which is family. Right. That's what this movie is saying. Right. Okay. So here's my theory about Harry and Marv. Okay. They are immortal. Okay. Um, they can still get hurt, but they can't die. Yeah. I think that if we want to get in the fantasy realm yeah. and try to explain this, because that's the only way to explain it, uh, I think that uh, in one of the times that they've burgled a home, they uh, stole some kind of artifact that's cursed <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. And that made it to where they're forever, they're, they're immortal, but they forever have to go through this pain and getting beat up yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So so to this day, they're constantly... They're, they're probably still being beat up. They're probably the same age and so everything. So they're stuck in purgatory in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that they stole something or whatever because it's impossible to make it through even a couple of these things without yeah. dying. Yeah. And they've been through so many things throughout the two movies, like I said... 23 to 24 times they, they should have died and that's like a conservative estimate yeah by some doctors that watch this movie and kind of examine what the different things would right. be so i don't know what do you think yeah i could see that i or mean or do you th- just think it's just movie I, armor I think it's just movie armor <laughs> you know story plot plot armor yeah that. things aren't as drastic because it's a kid's movie so things aren't as uh macabre and dangerous yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going with that they're cursed. Yeah. Um, all right, so before we we get into part two, uh, we have our other top five list, and we decided to do our top five favorite traps. Yeah. Kevin traps of of how he killed someone. Mine are in the order of, like, my favorite. It's just, there, it's just a list of all my favorites. Okay, so no particular order with no. you. Mine actually does have an order because I want to be very specific about number number one and two. And why I like them and everything, but mm-hmm. I mean nothing crazy. It's just pretty, pretty self-explanatory. But um, just so we can go in an order, um, I want to. I still want to start at five. If you're good with that, okay. Like I said, you can go whatever order you want. Try to at least save your 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 top one or two, the ones that you really like for last. Okay. Okay. So what would be a number five? Uh, the electrocution in part two.
this. I don't have it on my list, but I will say it's probably one of, if not the funniest parts. Because of he's both screaming movies. his head and the way, <laughs> And the way he's crawling around. Yeah. He's going, <laughs> it was, and he's like, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Stern is is comedy gold in these films. He's he got to be the best part of these movies. I think he and I'm going to get into a question about that later on. But but yeah, the electrocution and the way his hair, the wig that they yeah. had on there, and he was already covered with powder paint, and paint, paint yeah. and all this kind of stuff, and he just looked amazing. Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely amazing. And Daniel Stern is a genius. And Chris Columbus is a genius for how they got that look down and yeah. that part. Yeah. So I really like that. My number five is the flamethrower to the head. Um, yeah. Just because it happens twice, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and add the second part too. Yeah, the second one you didn't even know. Because I think what happened was the first one, it burned the nerve endings off. Yeah. And so I don't think he had any feeling on the top <laughs> of his head. And so when he got the second one, he's just kind of like, oh, something's going on. It wasn't until he looked in the mirror. Yeah, he and probably had to get to that point where it's like, you know... Uh, as um, as Harry is in the you know his character, probably had to realize that you know he's never going to grow any more hair there again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you remember the Home Alone game? Uh, I do. I'm actually. only going to mention it right here because I don't want to talk about it. I don't remember I too do much remember about that. it, but I yeah. remember a lot of people liked it, and, and there was some cool stuff about it. But I remember it being very frustrating. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, you saw the plan and all the different things yeah. you had to do, but there were certain parts about it that were very frustrating. Yeah. I just can't remember which parts. I think it was trying to get the things set up before Marv and Harry showed up. Maybe. But I remember I having a blueprint stuff and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so flamethrower to the head, just because it's so iconic. you know. And most of these are on here just because they're iconic. Yeah. Some of them are just funny. But yeah. um, the flamethrower to the head, because he gets it in the first one. and the second one, he gets it again. And then he puts his head into a toilet of stuff that would basically make it to where he just had a he- uh, body with a neck. His yeah. head would be gone. Yeah, yeah. His head would have blown up. That was but yeah, of course, it's cartoon. This is like a live action cartoon. So they just got little black marks like Sylvester yeah. or Tweety might have right. or whatever. So that was my number five. What's your number four? Um, you're going to have to cut this in. But when he says, he says wow, what a hole. <laughs> <laughs> what a hole yeah, he just falls through the hole just. after he had already fallen through it yeah. and it felt like two stories yeah. that's one of those things that said it, that they said he probably wouldn't survive because no. it's straight two stories down smacks his, his face. face and everything <laughs> wow what, what a hole, hole. <laughs> when he says that I just bust up laughing every single time I think most of the cuts I'm going to do for this episode yeah. is just going to be Marv <laughs> Wow, Daniel Stern. Uh, that was your number four. Yeah. Uh, well, that wasn't a trap, though. It was a trap because the hole. Was Are you a talking trap. about the hole being yeah. a trap? Yeah. Okay, so half I just the traps used that, that thing because it was funny. And half the traps in these movies would be avoided if the characters would just look down. Uh-huh. I mean, move their eyes but it two was kinda, inches. You got to admit, it was kind of dark. There was no lights in there, so it was like... <laughs> it would. I mean, we saw it, but yeah. maybe you can say, well, in the movie, it was supposed to be much darker, but yeah. we just saw it just because we're watching the yeah. movie and we need yeah. to know what's going on. But yeah, the fact that... that he, he, I mean, and it wasn't like it was just like right here and he... It extended out, so you yeah. should be able to see it with just a yeah. glance, yeah. you know? But yeah, he falls down. That was uh, a good... And that's another point I wanted to make about that part, too, is like renovating. Yeah. This, this house looks like it's just falling apart. Yeah. Not like that hole was purposeful. Yeah, but exactly. Anyways, uh, my number four was the paint cam pipe. 
Uh, so first they got hit by the paint cans, and then they get hit by the pipe afterwards. Well, do you think it was funnier to hit in the paint cans in the first one I'll or t- the pipe in the second? Well, one? I got the paint cans on there at a different spot. But uh-huh. this one is part as my number four is the paint cans with the pipe because it repeats <laughs> that classic that classic trap. But it adds to it, and in such a funny way, because yeah. he's like, that's two. And then they run up there, and they yeah. get hit by that pipe. Yeah. Not only do they get hit by the pipe, but then they fly into that hole, mm-hmm. falls two stories down, and then, Dan, and then Marv is like, that's three. And then he cuts off the thing, and the pipe bounces down. And, and right before Ansem Harry goes, no. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that's... No. That's four. And then they get hit, and then you just hear, and you don't see him get hit, but it just shows the hole or whatever that they just went down, and you just hear Marv go, that's four. (laughs) And I'm just waiting for Harry to say, shut up, Marv. Anyway, so the paint can and the pipe, I think it just takes that iconic one and just adds to it in a real funny way. So yeah. what's your number three? My, my number three is out front of the toy store. Oh, okay. The, this The reason I say so this. Unrealistic it, so unrealistic. So unrealistic. Joe Pesci would not watched. fly that high and then come down on a car that hard. And in uh, fact, even though Daniel Stone Stern's taller, he might have stepped on that and then kind of went back up because I think Joe Pesci was probably maybe a little bit heavier. Yeah, but... But the fact that it's not so much the actual stunt or the actual... What uh, Marv says after it? Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't hurt either. But but the fact that uh, this was Kevin's saying, oh, you want to go again? Okay, we're going to start it off how like, I want to start it off. And they're like, nobody even, knows, nobody even knows that we're here. And then you just hear... <laughs> You know, knock, 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 and knock, knock. He's like, hi. And he's like their worst enemy. Yeah. The worst person they could see out that door. I mean, probably even worse than cops. They just know, oh, no, our night's about to get real bad. <laughs> you would think that they'd be like, they'd be like, okay, the, the probably somebody in the video has caught us. And I know we're kind of already getting into the movie on that one. Yeah. But, you know, good. somebody caught us. On a camera somewhere. Uh-huh. You know, they know we're here. We should just, okay. Not chase Kevin. Take this money. Get the hell out and of get, here. And get the heck out of, the, yeah. out of Dodge. But he took pictures, and they think that that's the only pictures but, there are. No, but there's probably videos from across the street or whatever yeah. else. Well, think about it. It was, what, 92? Yeah. That this came out or something? Uh, actually, I have But CCTV's been around for, yeah. forever. So 19, yeah. But, I mean, not everywhere has, like, ATM cameras like there are nowadays yeah. and different things. CCTV, I don't know. Maybe there was, but... I just yeah that one was I'm just, I'm was just saying funny. Like, like, I was like that's that's probably the most unrealistic one there I mean I'm sure there's other ones out there but the fact that he got launched so high and what did Daniel say or what did Marv say after um, that? he said something like you got a lot of air or something like that it, it was something to just irritate but yeah I mean, but, inappropriate but the fact that he launched him and and Kevin came up and was like oh these guys want to mess with me again so we're I'm gonna about start, to play we're, we're about to play I'm gonna start this off uh, like a big boy you know <laughs> and throwing the breakthrough knew that Mar- you know one of them was at least gonna jump through right yeah 
and for some reason just stand there. And you have okay? to be. You have to time it perfectly. I yeah. mean, he Harry has to land on the board perfectly, and then Marv has to jump on the board perfectly, yeah. or whatever. But I mean, it's so unrealistic. But it's just hilarious because Kevin is just like taking on two grown men again uh, at, at a competition of who's smarter and who's smoother about yeah. everything. You know? Yeah. It was a great scene. Uh, my number three is the tar foot nail. Um, I only do that because it just looked like it hurt so bad. I mean, that's my first one. It was really, I mean, you actually saw the, the foot actually sink into the nail yeah. a bit and everything. That's from the first one movie, right? Yeah. yeah. And I like it. Like he, he, he put the tar on the thing so his shoes would stick to it and he did it enough steps up to where he knows that he would be barefoot by about this point yeah. and puts a nail. But again it's a nail it's one nail on the step he didn't put a bunch just one yeah and so he had to put his foot perfectly yeah on that step but i just did it because we can't it was very doing visceral. the rachel moment thing buddy i know i know it looked good now, though I, but that I, was my I, number three no that was my number one actually okay so what's your number two um the uh paint cans from the first the one. paint cans yeah. okay um uh well, I'll just say this. Mine, Mine wasn't in any order anyways. Yeah, you know, my so. number two was the doorknob brand. Yeah, okay. So just to talk about that real quick. I mean, the reason I said that because it was uh, it was an iconic one. I never even knew what one of those things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked it up, though. What was it? Oh, you stick it. It's a. It's a. It starts a fire starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it basically you put it in, and the heat of it will start the fire and the yeah. coals and everything like yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, and it's an electric fire starter, and I never knew what it was when I was younger. What the what anybody would use yeah. it for? Yeah. But he just hung it on the doorknob and everything, and, and he's so bougie that he's got his initial on the door on the doorknob and that's why i put it as number two is because you see it, and then in part two when he's grabbing, yeah. you see that the one. Uh, scar and the uh, the piece of himself that he he actually left. I mean, he kicked their ass so bad in part one yeah. that Harry will always remember it by that M for McAllister mm-hmm. on his palm yeah. and everything. So I just thought that was epic. And then, of course, my number one was the paint cans because I think those are iconic. probably the most iconic yeah. trap in in the thing. You know, you just seeing the paint cans come around there and knock. I just remember that. Like the only reason I put it first, the sticky feet. Uh, that's what I call it put it first is because it's like the one thing besides the paint cans that you remember because it was just like oh You're just you like, can see oh, his foot go on it and it's yeah. like I've, put, I've stepped on nails and before. I have too I've and, stepped on one before yeah. and it's not fun I stepped on one uh, two months ago so like it, I remember the pain it's, now and, you know and, and you just imagine trying to do it barefoot mm-hmm. and you've already been through so much crap mm-hmm. <laughs> you're hurting so bad oh, I yeah. thought about the iron when he pulls because you had the iron print on his face which is yeah. hilarious Yeah. because in the part two you have the brick imprints but on the, <laughs> the part one brick yeah, yeah, the, the iron on there it's hilarious but yeah so i got paint cans as my number one and the doorknob brand on as my number two because yeah. obviously man he got he got harry got the fire ones you know yeah. he got burned in the head uh in both movies he got a burn on his hand i just felt like marv got it way worse but marv got like i said harry got probably less but more of the permanent stuff yeah whereas marv just got a yeah uh, his was much I mean, they more both painful got hit by the uh the the tool chest and uh a door at the same time yeah broke their noses but i mean harry fell or i mean marv fell down that hole twice i got, I got a new <laughs> theory for one. you i got a new theory for you instead of them being immortal yes okay 
that they're actually cartoon characters. Maybe, and that, that's what we were making the point, right? Mm-hmm. When instead of Joe Pesci's whole entire head blowing off and yeah. putting a flame in that toilet of whatever that flammable it, liquid it was. It looks like a cartoon yeah, figure his, would do. His beanie's kind of fanned yeah. open, and mm-hmm. it's all black. There's mm-hmm. no blood. There's no. It's just black like a cartoon. Yeah. So, yeah, they're either immortal or they somehow came out of a comic strip yeah. and just have that thing where they, they can get hurt, but they'll never die. Right, right, right. They're like a Roger Rabbit. Maybe they came from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Roger, you seem like you struggled on Roger that Rabbit. One. Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. So, next, we're talking about Home Alone 2, and this movie came out in 1992. Uh, uh, again, it was directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes. And again, we basically have the same cast. I'm really not going to go through it. No. Um, just because I already went through the cast. Uh, but we, we we have added, um, oh, what's her name? It's the pigeon lady, Brenda Fricker. And uh, we talked about her in uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Remember, she played uh, Mike Myers' mom. Yeah. Yeah. Who was like pervin' on his friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she's Irish. She played a Scottish one in that one, and then also Tim Curry. I was about to say you better mention Tim Curry. Yeah, and he was the concierge. Uh, doesn't have really have a name. Uh, we got uh, Rob Schneider as well. Oh man, and and these two guys, you know, almost stole this movie. Rob Schneider and Tim Curry. Yes, they, they were very good. They very close to stealing the the portion that usually Mar- Margaret O'Hare takes over in a way. You know what I mean? Because like. Just, Sorry, I know. I'm just thinking about whenever Catherine they, O'Hara. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara. I'm just thinking about whenever they come into the uh, the the room and like, and Tim Carey's <laughs> person is is mortified. Hold it right there. This is the concierge, sir. I knew it was you. I could smell you getting off the elevator. You was here last night too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. I was. You was here, and you were smooching with my brother. I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. Don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, little Mo with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. Well, what he yeah. said, you was in here, and you were smooching with my brother. He's like, Sir. <laughs> and he's like, you were smooching with everybody. And then Cliff, he's like, it's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> or when, when when he plays the video near the end where, where uh, they think they're getting shot at. Right, right. That's <laughs> what I was talking Curry. about. Yeah, I mean, uh, the phenomenal actor, great, one of the greatest actors of, of his generation. And, and he, uh, you know, just his, his repertoire. You know, as far as what movies he's done is and everybody, insanely large. Everybody has their own uh, niche. Yeah, the, well, their own way of knowing him. Yeah, like yeah, like I probably he will always be Pennywise to me. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, but Rocky Horror the closest Picture Show. The closest to that would be this role, the concierge. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. it you know we just watched it so much or whatever. But yeah, Pennywise. Um, obviously, the guy can sing too. Yeah, obviously, is uh, Doctor Frankenfurter yep. in Rocky Horror. Um, he was the Lord of Darkness in Legend, uh-huh. um, and Clue. He was yep. the Butler yep. guy that you know was the main part of that movie. It just he's done so many things. Obviously, he His was in Psych. Insane. He yeah. was in Psych as a, as a um, uh, who's the American Idol guy? Mm. Who's the British guy? What's his name? Simon. Simon. Yeah. He was like a Simon type of character in Psych. Yeah, but. 
you know, great actor, and uh, I love showing the kids saying that's Pennywise because they're so afraid of him. But yeah. it's cool for them. It's cool for me when I was younger mm-hmm. to see. Okay, that's that guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but but yeah, I mean that scene, and then you know Rob Schneider scenes too. It's just it's classic, and you just forget that Rob Schneider was, you know, he was in movies back then. You know, what he I mean? was like, becoming a big thing. Yeah. And I don't know if it was his politics or what that kind of made him persona non grata or whatever. But, but that didn't I think happen until late 2000s. Maybe. And people kind of, I think they probably got tired of his Rob Schneider shtick. Yeah. Then the animal and hot chick yeah. and, you know, all these then, ones. Every were, single Adam Sandler movie. He was made. basically an Adam Sandler. He was going the Adam Sandler route with mm-hmm. those types of movies. He just wasn't as likable as, yeah. as Adam Sandler was. Yeah. Um, but Sandler for loves him, obviously. Yeah, I mean, if he puts him in everything, you know. And 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 just, but in this film, I mean, he was so young in this film, and and the fact that you know, I mean, he played, he played that character great. You know what I mean? Just those two, they they were a big part of this film. Yeah, you know what I mean? And 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 it made they made it better. You know, in sequels, you get this a lot where, you know, they they go two routes, right? They go a route where they they completely change a lot of the main characters and the main character from the first film is usually maybe even a secondary character in the second Mm -hmm. film. And then, and, or they'll, they'll go basically, they'll keep the exact same cast and move it over into the sequel. Right. And, and, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. But what was great with this one is that they had the same exact cast, but they added real talent into the film to make it, to make it, that much better and you we know had, what I mean and we had Dana Ivy she was mm-hmm. the desk clerk so yeah that's what you're saying all three of those yeah. just gave it a little bit of color a little bit of yeah and, and sequels sometimes you, that doesn't usually work you yeah. know to, to add in some some big names like that you know what I mean like cause cause you know uh uh with um whatchamacallit uh oh my goodness that's a candy bar it is oh with Tim Curry's role right you know that he's a big name yeah. You know, he, he's kind of a big name, you know, so it's like to have him in that type he's of character. He's a, a big character actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A re- really good character actor, yeah, you know. Very I mean? good. But, you know, he's got a certain, it would be hard for him to disappear into a role because he's got a certain way of talking and inflection yeah. and everything that but you But he plays recognize. this role so well, you know. And then, as I mentioned, Dana Ivey, the desk clerk, yeah. she was also in the Adams Family movies. Yes. Remember, she got married to yep. the thing. She was, she was a good guy. Yeah. Well, she was, about, she was married to the... the the jackwad and everything, but yeah. then she got with that thing, the hairy thing or whatever yeah. that was voiced by that's her Snoop thing huh? in the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so we get into part two and it's part one, but everybody's older, a little bit more mature. Some things have changed. They've opened up the scenery, right? We're giving more time with the family. We're giving, uh, you know, because in the first one, it was just about the chaos that caused uh, uh, Kevin to get in trouble, mm-hmm. and then you don't see him except for little bits here and there. This one, it's a little bit more of a build-up to him getting in trouble yeah. because they introduce everybody like in the first one, but then they have a trip to the school, and you know they got to play, they got to see, and then they come home, and then they have the whole getting in trouble part. Yeah. So they kind of extend that a bit. You see how Buzz just worked his way out of getting in trouble. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Taking any fault whatsoever. Yeah, in the first one... Um, I could see, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until I was a little bit older, but I could see how Kevin could be that annoying kid and the other f- members of the family are probably completely justified yeah. based on their age and feeling how they feel. Mm-hmm. 
But I've never understood why Buzz didn't bear the full weight of what happened at that yeah. pageant show yeah. or whatever. Because Kevin was actually trying to do what he was supposed to be doing. Right. You know? And they all saw, everybody in the crowd saw what he was doing. You know, you know, and, and, and was he not justified in doing that? Like, he probably shouldn't have done that. But it should have been like, Buzz, if you hadn't have done what you did, you started it. Yeah. Yeah, I know Kevin. But, I mean, Kevin didn't try to ruin everybody. He just tried yeah. to push Buzz over. Yeah. And, come on, the parents don't know the real Buzz by now. You know, that, yeah. that he's going to – he works people around and, you know, schmoozes his parents. They don't know who he is by now. Yeah. Come on. That apology they should have known was BS. Um, he should have had uh, some some puni- more punishments. And I think Kevin's speech afterwards is totally justified. Like, Buzz gets away with everything. And she's like, he apologized. He's like, and then he called me a trout sniffer. Yeah. You know, what do you, you, you know your son. How, how do you, I think Kevin was completely justified in being angry in what he did. I don't think he should have gotten in trouble at all. He was trying to be, you know, you definitely saw he's more mature in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and and and, again, and I got another question here. What does Kevin's dad do? Seriously? Yeah, I mean, he, he you see in the very new one, right? Mm-hmm. That basically Kevin becomes uh, he he creates a home security system, you know, and and then he messes with his brother. But you know, obviously he's you know Kevin's the successful one. You know, he's yeah. he's probably got uh, probably a millionaire at that point. You know, very rich person. You know, for doing what he does. You know, and in, in, in the long run, you. It, in the sh- when you first meet these characters they're they're very you know that Kevin is going to be a successful person that he just he uh, everything always just seems to fall into place for him in a way it's the typical character that hasn't done much doesn't hasn't doesn't isn't very responsible hasn't doesn't have much that's people are counting on him or required of him or whatever but then they're put in a situation where they have to step up and kind of be more mature and responsible and grow up yeah they, where if if it was buzz None of this would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they would have robbed the house, probably tied up Buzz. He'd have probably and, just and, gone to a friend's house yeah, and hung out or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that, you know, his eight-year-old brother, or now in this film, his 11-year-old brother, yeah. is able to take on grown men, very dangerous grown men with guns and things like even that. Even though they're idiots. And, and <laughs> even though they're idiots, but, I mean, take care of himself. You know, he's in the, the, the biggest city in the world, you know, as an 11-year-old kid and, and you know, eats go shopping goes throughout the city like it's nothing you know let me ask you a question do you think that the robbers would have killed them if if they would have gotten the chance do you think they actually would have done it no because he was trying to shoot that bird lady with the The gun bird lady yes but do you think they even would have shot her they just never struck me as murderers they just struck me as no i I agree i agree so but he looked like he was really trying but i think if he would actually gotten a bullet off he i think he would have been shocked like oh my god what have i just done yeah like he was so pissed off at kevin he wanted to pull a gun they're not murderers they're just they're just robbers yeah and he has a gun to stick people up and to make to make them afraid but i don't think he would ever kill anybody that just they don't just don't strike me as like i mean (laughs) at the end there the second one you know they. That probably pushed. Uh, Harry the, was at that point. He really was at that point. I but I think like. if he would have either killed, whether it was Kevin or the Bird Lady, I think he would have like immediately been like, "Oh my God, what did I do?" I think just don't no, think I, he's I, a killer. I think what it was was but you he know was frustrated, like somebody that's that always gets one up on you kind of thing, and they 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 catch him um in both films right, and they catch him, and it's like. They don't know what to do with him at that point. I feel like they threaten him just to scare him, 
But I feel like they they they'll catch him, and, and then, then they always have to take him somewhere to do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll take they'll probably they probably would have took the the film if if it didn't happen like at the end of the movie, like it did. I think they would have took the camera in the film and just walked off. But what about at the beginning Maybe when they him when they caught him outside the back of the hotel and said, "Oh, let's get him onto the underground. I'll feel better when we get him on ice." Yeah. Do you think they would have just maybe threatened him? Yeah, I yeah I don't think that they they would actually kill. I know uh, Marv definitely wouldn't, and I don't think well, Harry. They, they really knew would he have. was by himself. Obviously, he was in a really nice hotel, so they probably figured he had some money, and they probably, if anything, they would have probably just robbed him. You know, maybe kicked him a couple times, but robbed him, and then just went off because they knew he had to have some kind of money. It's a weird dynamic because you just even as awful as they are, you just can't see him like even kicking a kid or something. You know, but again, it's a John Hughes. Yeah, Christmas movie, you know, so it's like that's probably wasn't even in in John Hughes's mind that these were murderers. Yeah, you know? I just think you know the first movie he was an annoying little kid. Now he's grown and actually seems a bit more mature, responsible. Um, but his family's gone back to treating him like they did before, mm-hmm. and even his own mother. Yeah, even and, his own mother who who felt so badly at the first one, right? That she, you know, you would think that she would not let him out of his. Especially when you're starting to get deja vu, like, okay, now he's sleeping up in the upstairs Uh room. He's getting in trouble again. Things are starting to look like it was last year. year. Later, not not even not even a few years later. Literally the next year, I I would not. I I would probably not have planned to go anywhere for Christmas. You know what I mean? But he still seems like he's mature. Not like he's walking around just annoying everybody with what he's asking, but just kind of like he's responding to his mother. He's being annoying with his little recorder thing, but. I don't know. I think everything that happens in the beginning is totally buzz. And remember when you got one of those for Christmas? I do. I, I, I love that, that thing. Yeah. Uh, it, but it is also the parents' inability to recognize him as the troublemaker, the uh, the buzz character. Yeah, but and that's kind of one of the other reasons I love this new movie that came out because it answered a lot of these questions. You know, Which what I mean? for us, uh, this home sweet home alone movie that just came out. Uh huh. It answered a lot of these questions. Like which ones? Like um, what Kevin did. You know, oh yeah yeah what what he became afterwards yeah which makes total sense you yeah. know and and so I, that's kind of one of the reasons i like this one because it does talk about kevin quite a bit i mean he even calls him a a, a snuff uh what does he call it uh what did, what did buzz call kevin that got kevin got all mad you said it you just said it i can't remember i was it in the first one or the second the one? first oh one, trout sniffer trout sniffer and then in this new one he calls him a trout he said yeah because he knows he's Kevin's like, yeah doing he's it like no nah, it's just a prank he's like i'm not going over there trout <laughs> sniffer yeah. and everything so uh yeah why why wouldn't kevin specifically be watched to make sure he boards a plane these are the worst For parents real. ever how do you not keep track of your youngest and weakest they got to win the worst parent award and what's even funnier is what whenever they go to make a police report in miami you know he's like uh, has the kid ever been left alone before and she's like she's just shaking her head but the dad just like looks over at her and he's like <laughs> yeah she's like well this did happen last year yeah <laughs> you know same thing and everything and they're just like they just start laughing about it they're kind of like real manic about yeah. it knock on wood you know yeah so and here's a point i want to make too about kevin um he doesn't seem used to being the lowest one on the totem pole no. you'd think by now he'd just be used to it maybe that's why he was annoying in the first one he's just used to being not being heard listened to so he has to talk louder and be annoying to be heard or whatever well and you see his little brother or his cousin, cousin in the film you know but it's his little brother yeah you know you see his little brother i mean in the second one at the end you know he 
he gets that huge queen size bed to himself because nobody else wants to sleep. It, with exactly, him. but you know, you would think that they would worry about that kid a lot more. Yeah, you know, he because needs to be the one on the floor. Exactly, but you know, he actually Kevin acts as if he comes from a family as an only child, and he and but he's been put in this family with multiple children. Yeah. Like like he spent his whole <clears throat> like we met him a year after he was adopted into the right. McAllisters, but before that he was the only child and the only one that his parents paid attention to. And yeah. now he's trying to get some kind of attention. You know, yeah, he relishes in being the sole focus of his adventures and getting to do what he wants because he's the youngest in a family of six and always gets pushed to the side. Yeah. You know? Uh, it, it, which sucks, but a lot of kids get used to that uh, while you know while growing up in a family like that. But he seems to still be like thrown off of it. So we've agreed that like uh, the toy guy uh, Duncan, Mister Duncan, or whatever, he's like the uh, the John Candy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, but instead of giving advice to the mother, it's giving advice to the son. Right. And then the bird lady is like the old man Marley right. character or whatever, right? Okay, so but you get a lot more interaction with the bird lady in in this one than you got, you know, with the old man. Yeah, you know, like you see a lot more moments with. Well, with they have that. a whole scene where they did kind of like the church scene. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 it, you get a lot more, and I think probably because fans loved his character, the old man's character in the first one, they probably were like, okay, we want more of this yeah. in the second one you know so maybe that's why they geared it that way well you also have to have the main character be able to exposit and explain what's on his mind yeah and if he's been by himself this whole time he has nobody to talk to this is jiminy cricket so yeah finally give somebody uh somebody for him to talk to to give him a voice to explain what's on his mind yeah. his fears what he's worried about and the, the things that he needs to go overcome in yeah. this movie and she helps to do that yeah. um which She's is like wow. his conscious in a way, you know, yeah. like like both of them are, are kind of like a conscience uh, of his, you know, because he, he's still a child, you know, no matter how smart the kid is. But he needs he needs a sort of uh, a turning point for the film, you know, like he needs he, he needs something to to brace himself to be able to do what he's got to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he got that from the old man with that speech. You know, basically, you and was know, able he, to give him advice, just like exactly in the second one with him giving the old lady advice, right, too. right, and 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 he needed that that conversation to say, hey, you can do this. You needed your family is very important. You need to take care of your family, and if that's the way he's got to take care of his family, you know, he he feels for those kids, you know, and in a way, it's kind of like his family, you know, where it's like, I don't want anything bad to happen to these kids. I don't want these kids Christmas because you know. Kevin's sole purpose in movies is he want he expects a certain type of Christmas in his head, you know, and so and that's why we get the whole thing where he's like, why are we going to Miami, you know, and she's like, oh, you can decorate a palm tree or you can decorate, you know, we, we can get a fake tree or something like that, you know, and he he's just like, this is not Christmas, you know what I mean? And so with the robbers taking all that money, you know, that's not Christmas, you know, that's these kids not not having Christmas because these these robbers are stealing it all you know and so his his thing is always he wants everybody to have the christmas that's in his head in a way well and it addresses the themes of the movie too yeah i mean that all everything you just said it just is the themes of the movie we talked about the theme of the first movie was a responsibility and the true meaning of christmas which is family mm -hmm. and i think this one this movie is about forgiveness and yeah. friendship yeah 
because, you know, the friendship with her, Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't have many friends at home because of just the type of kid that he is or whatever. But, um, you know, and forgiveness, you know, he's the, the, the parents want him to ask for forgiveness at the beginning when he messes up or whatever. And he doesn't want to ask for that. You know, he never, never does the forgiveness thing with him and his mom for both movies. Same thing with, uh, with her and what happened with her husband and everything and her not wanting to put that type of uh, herself out so she doesn't want to be friends with anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want anybody in her life anymore because yeah. people will just let her down. <clears throat> so it's <clears throat> it's about friendship for him because he meets this person who's, you know, a new friend to him mm-hmm. and everything. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that's just that's just what this uh, that's what this movie is about, I think, is, is uh, you know, and it's what both those characters try to uh, figure out in both movies is the meaning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's where we find out the mm-hmm. meaning of the movie is with those two characters, I yeah. think. Um, <clears throat> but uh, here we're at this one. Uh, I thought it, it, most of the movie goes pretty much the same. You know, the parents get or the family gets trapped where they're at until uh, obviously they know where he is in the first one, but they got to mm-hmm. figure out in this one where he is. As soon as they figure out, they all go. Uh, just like in the first one, they're all way more excited to go to New York than Miami for Christmas because New York is more Christmassy. Yeah. And they end up going to this super nice hotel and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, uh, he goes through his different things. He eventually gets caught. He eventually has to kind of go out on his own. So it's a little bit darker than the first one. There's a little bit of difference here because he's not in his own neighborhood and everything. But, um, you know, the, the showdown, going towards the showdown with these robbers again and stuff, it's pretty much all hits the same beats. But it's this house doesn't look like it's being renovated. It looks like it was decrepit and like, uh, uh, what do you call it when you classify a house as... Um, condemned. Yeah, condemned. It yeah. looks like it was a condemned house. It doesn't look like it was being renovated. I mean, they well, got those houses just, are probably like what, like two hundred years old. You maybe know? they had just bought it and they were renovating yeah, it. Yeah, th- that's what I'm thinking. Like they had a different house and they just bought it or whatever. But I mean, it's a perfect place for Kevin to do all his traps. There's holes and tools and flammable liquids and all kinds of crap for him to use. Um, so I mean, I figure we just jump right in here because it's the yeah. best part of the movie, anyways. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that comes before I think this that house is, is pretty much in Harry rock. Potter, right? Is what the same house in Harry Potter? Which one? Uh, um, uh, McAllister's the, house? No, yeah, the, no, no. The uh, the uncle's house in New York was the same house in. Uh, I don't think Harry it Potter. was. Yeah. I don't think it was. <laughs> that was you're talking about Sirius's house yeah. that was hidden. Uh-huh. No, because that was on Spinner. <laughs> no, wait, no, Snape was on Spinner's end. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Grimald Place. Uh, That's yeah. what Sirius Black's yeah. house was. Um, so. What I thought was really cool, because his mom was at the house right before he got there, uh-huh. and the, the robbers were chasing him. He had already set up the traps, so it's a good thing there was nothing at the front door, or else she would have fallen into one of his traps. Uh, yeah. But uh, she got into a taxi like but that 20 that, seconds before he showed up. That would have turned morbid. Yeah, it would. <laughs> but I mean, because she's not immortal like these other two characters. No, she would have died no. immediately. But, you know, what if he got? what if he showed up when she was there? And she's like, Kevin, he goes, Mom, it's great to see you, but I'm really being chased by these guys, and she can't fight him off. Yeah. She, For all they know, she's got a gun. That would have been kind of awesome twist. That's what I put here. I put, what if Kevin ran into his mom? They said, quick, hi. 
But it's like, we have to go upstairs. These robbers are coming. They're trying to steal from kids. She, they got all this money. They're, they're they're after me. And she joined in on him doing some of these traps yeah. with him. Yeah. Like, and, she helped set and, some of them off. And they're, like, talking to him and, and saying, oh, well, we you got us last year, kid. And then she looks at him like, what? <laughs> you he's know? like, yeah, I got to tell you about that later or yeah. whatever. But <laughs> I've already defeated him once. But, so. yeah, would join in to help keep Kevin mm-hmm. safe because it's not like she has a weapon. There's no cell phone. So she has to do something to to get him out, you know, they can't just run down the street because the robbers might be right behind him. Let's yeah. go into this house. And then she sees all these traps that he set up. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I thought that would have been really cool to have the mom join yeah. in on the traps. It would have been the same time. kind of movie, though. You it know. probably wouldn't have, but it would have been interesting. I mean, I do like the whole, you know, Kevin on his own versus the robbers. But in an ultimate alternate universe or whatever, it'd be kind of cool just to see what it would be like if, if she joined in on it and everything. But... um. I, I put on here, and this is what we mentioned before. I like how Harry is usually smart and calculated, but anytime he runs into this kid and he's outsmarted by the kid, he just falls right into the trap, and despite rational thinking, just goes into it. Um, and yeah, because I'm sorry. If I if I would have got a licking like I did, in the, like they did in the first one, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have came back for more. Like I said, I would have grabbed that money and bounced. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. more than likely they're they're idiot enough to to get caught no matter what. Yeah. So they probably would have got caught regardless. But it, I mean, or known that it was them, you know. But yeah. it's like you know, come on, you got beat by an eight year old. Do you really <laughs> want to get beat by an eight year old again? You know, or eleven year old? And they're they're on the run from prison. Mm-hmm. So I mean, anybody that that finds them, I mean, they they, they go to jail anyways. Either way. So anyways, he goes to uh, he, he finally you know. Uh, gets them through the house of horrors takes off running with the pictures and is like oh you better come get me so now once they're all worn down he calls the cops says look for fireworks in the park they finally grab him after he falls and uh, slips on the ice he's almost immortal to he almost i mean because that that probably could have killed him but it too. did show that it was spinning so he mm-hmm. probably did have a real reaction so he finally had to deal with something that they always deal with yeah. the pratt falls yeah. um and it and, wasn't even a trap it was no. just ice on the on on the walkway yep just slipped right on it uh they're about to kill him supposedly in the uh thing uh, i don't think they would have killed him uh the bird lady comes and saves him and that hilarious scene when they're being attacked by the birds yeah, yeah. and daniel stern's just like That scream, and that's all him, too. That's not somebody fake that they brought in. It's literally Daniel Stern yelling, screaming at the... Uh, I mean, just he could just scream, and I would laugh. I would, <laughs> and the, co- the cops come up. <laughs> the cops come up after they're attacked, and he's like, oh, we missed the presents? <laughs> like, he doesn't care that he's being arrested. He's just like, oh, you guys should have got arrested a little earlier. We already did the gift exchange. He goes... Oh, they already did presents. Like he was, he was upset that he missed uh, the presents in the jail. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just sitting there, kind of like, you know. And again, if they would go together to do things, or if Harry just got rid of Marv, you know, because yeah, what, it's always like oh, you go around the back, I'm going this way. Yeah, I mean, what does really Marv do? I mean, he's obviously not the brains of the operation. No, he just, well, he's just uh, there to cause problems and flood people's much. things and everything. So sticky bandits. Yeah, so he gets them arrested, and then he goes, I'll always remember you to the bird lady, and she's like, don't make promises you can't keep and everything, and uh, 
he uh, he keeps it. He, he after his family, you know, he see his mom meets him at Rockefeller Center because, you know, in this movie we make the big deal that Kevin's obsessed with Christmas. Have you ever trees. been to Rockefeller Center during Christmas? I time? have not. It's amazing. I have not. I've heard it. It is. But as much as I like Christmas trees, like Kevin, I really need to go and see. I didn't go ice skating under it, you know, but I I did definitely go see the tree. I feel like if you try to go do that now, like it's not even like a go to do it anymore. Just 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 to have the experience or whatever. It's just do it to do it. You know, Uh, oh, at Rockefeller's, it's a thing. It's a tourist thing. We got to go do the the center. And so I feel like you'd just be like waiting for hours to get on the ice or something. Yeah. I mean, it it wasn't uh, that crowded. It was just, it was, it was when I went, you know, the tree was up and everything. It was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. All right. Well, I think we, uh, I think we've gone long enough talking about these movies, covered most of it. Um, Two, we didn't get much into, but it's basically the same as a retread. We could have probably done it. But it's better, in my opinion. Yeah, we could could have probably done another episode. Now, this is kind of like the Ghostbusters thing, where it's it's basically the same thing. It's a retread, but it's different in the ways that people have progressed and people have matured. Mm -hmm. I made the case in the second one that... Yes, things are different and the characters are different, but that's called growth. And, you know, you have to have character development. In this one, all the family went back to how they were in the first one. They were all jackasses that didn't like Kevin. The mom was, you know, uh, still treating Kevin a certain way, even though Kevin was acting a bit more mature. He looked like he had changed a bit, but um, I don't know. I still, I do enjoy part one a little bit better than I enjoy part two. Part two was my favorite for, for a while. But, you know, watching it as an adult and everything, I just, it's just something about part one. I think I like, I like him being in his own house more. Mm -hmm. It seems more controlled and more sensible. Whereas part two, there were some things that looked like it was kind of on the fly, up in the air. He didn't have his own place ever. But there's a lot of iconic moments in it and a lot of iconic traps and everything. So Mm -hmm. uh, my, my last question is, who's your favorite robber? Probably Marf. I think most people yeah. would say Marf. Just because he's funnier or I like because he, just he, as much, he gets beat up Yeah, more. yeah it's just, His reaction to it is a lot more hilarious. <laughs> you know, Harry just gets real frustrated. You know, Marv just lets it all out. Yeah. Harry, it, it was great uh, because it's that constrained anger. You know, Joe Pesci's so used to being this just this tough guy tough guy who just cusses every other word Mm -hmm. and everything and he had to be constrained he had to actually invent his own language you know chris columbus was like instead of saying the f word try saying fridge so you know he a lot of the times you usually fridge yeah Yeah. so he had to make himself his own language because he's like you know like i said earlier he was when he reads reads scripts normally he has to throw in cuss words in there just because that's how he's used to reading scripts yeah because that's the type of roles he would get yeah so it's very strange to see him in a family movie like this and i think i saw joe pesci in home alone before i saw joe pesci do everything anything else yeah i think so too this is one of my earliest memories of watching movies home alone just seeing joe pesci we and then can't, I see Joe Pesci and watch all the Joe Pesci and anything else. <laughs> no, of you course know, not. Age. I think most kids that were that age probably saw Joe Pesci in this yeah. first. I really enjoyed this movie. I don't think we ever saw it in theaters. I think we saw both of them after theaters and everything. But uh, I, I don't know many people that go to, you know, they go Christmas seasons without ever watching this mm-hmm. or that have never watched this. Even my kids love it too. So. Yeah. So if you've only seen Home Sweet Home Alone, the new one, and have never seen the originals, go back and watch the originals. 
I know it's a different time and older movies are starting to disappear from like the lexicon of, of, of popularity nowadays and everything just because it looks older and it's just the yeah. new generation doesn't like stuff like that anymore. But if not for how it looks, go for the story and, and you know, the great, the great comedic scenes of, uh, you know, how comedy actors used to be with Daniel Stern and everything. But yeah. Uh, alrighty. Well, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the Post Credit Podcast. Our email address is, except for Twitter, we're at the Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me up. Post Credit Podcast.